The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual guests. sensitive snowflake that may get easily offended and turn this off immediately if you want to hear the real truth about the gun culture then stick around this is the armed citizen podcast what's going on my ghost squad welcome to the armed citizen podcast live this is episode number 199 199 Next week will be the big 200. Today's date is Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. Hope everybody had a great Independence Day weekend, 4th of July weekend, whatever you want to call it. Um, hope everyone was safe, had a good time with your friends and family and all that. Uh, if you're new to the channel, new to the show, then go ahead and, and let us know that you're out there. Just tell us where you're from and all of that. If you're out there in general, if you want to say something, go ahead and say something. We don't know that you're out there unless you do say something. Throughout the show, if you want to ask a question or make a comment that you want us to see, please go ahead and tag myself or someone else in the panel. We'll try to get to those comments or questions if they're relative to the uh, conversation. Sometimes if they're not. If you want to call in, yes, you can call into the show or text into the show. Utilize a ghost tactical hotline presented by our good friends at sportsmansguide.com. That number is scrolling down below. It's 530-364-4678. If you're a veteran or really anyone, but especially if you're a veteran and you're in that hole and you're looking for that light, you don't know if the light's out there, you can't find it, call me, text me, email me 24-7. Uh, I can't give you medical advice, but I probably could be a pretty decent ear and maybe talk you through some stuff. But if you are looking for someone that can get you in the right direction with the VA or with some medical help, please remember two things. One, you're not alone. There's a lot of people out here, brothers and sisters, that are willing to uh, help you out. And two, the world is a much better place with you in it. So please contact the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Once again, 1-800-273-8255, the Veteran Crisis Hotline. We are always going to be spotlighting the United States Marine Corps. So if you have any questions or want to find out more information about what it takes to earn the title of the United States Marine, go to the website marines.com. We are a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. It is a great website that hosts a lot of different pro-freedom, pro-gun, pro-2A podcasts. A lot of your favorite podcasts are over there. If you're looking for somewhere you can kind of jump around and find a bunch of different ones, please, please go visit selfdefenseradio.net. And as always, we do not ask for them. We do not expect them. But if you're wanting to send a super chat, first of all, that's a great way to get your question or comment read live on air is to super chat. But all money from super chats will go towards sending care packages overseas to our troops down range uh let me get this off of me i hate having this on me so um yeah today's gonna be a fun fun discussion it kind of started yesterday clover and i want to bring you in clover a good friend um but it kind of started with your show yesterday with warsaw patriot brought up something and we we kind of went down a little rabbit hole last night on different things i said let's continue this conversation and i really uh i think it'll be a fun one because there's so many different um 
scenarios and all of that. But before we jump in, let's do bring in uh, our good buddy from the great state of Texas, the tactical virus. I mean, uh, Leprechaun Clover Tech. What's up, Clove? How you doing, buddy? What up? Quick shout out, Ruben Flores. He says, new here from L.A., from behind enemy lines. Ruben, we cannot guarantee that we're making you smarter. We just hope not to make you any dumber. But welcome to the dark side. We really appreciate you being out there. And like I said, the people out here in our chat are great people. Uh, we have a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of uh, valuable information passed out there, a lot of knowledge out there. Feel free to ask any questions, make comments, be involved as much as you can. That's what this is about is the engagement in the conversation. Uh, before we jump in, let's go ahead and say hey to everybody out there. Do a couple of shout outs. Give the notifications time to get out there. Let's see here. JS is out there. Jason Stewart. G23. We got Buck, the gun-loving grandpas out there. Uh, let's scroll down. Patriot in the dark. What's up, homie? He said, good evening, Ghost Squad. Southpaw's out there. Keith Gregory, my favorite squids out there. Let's see here. Rich White, the 1% is out there. What's up, 1%? D-Temp's out there. JJ's out there. What's up, JJ? Uh, let's see here. Off the X, what's going on, brother? Patriots has got a new T-shirt and spread shop that goes perfectly with today's. She'll check it out. Um, I think what he's saying is he's probably got a new shirt over on spread shirt that goes perfectly with, with today. So, uh, yeah, go check out Patriot the Dark. I believe you're a mod, Patriot. You can put that link up there. It's not going to bother me one bit. Uh, like I said, we said hi to Ruben. Ruben's out there. School crams out there, and if I miss anyone, I apologize. I'll get to them when I see you and all that. But yeah, so what we're going to start talking about? Um, oh, before I get going, we're we're starting something new this week. And if you if you see the pinned comment up top, it'll say go visit our Ghost Tactical Twitter polls over there on Twitter, and I, I'm going to start put up two or three polls each day before the show and we'll kind of go over in the last shooting the shit part of the show uh the results of those polls and obviously we have a poll going on over on our community tab as well uh so far we've got 200 let me refresh this on the uh youtube community poll we've got uh right now 276 votes the question is is if you were faced with a situation there with where there was an armed threat in your area what would you do? One of the options is take the shot and end the threat. Get loved ones to safety. Call 911. Find cover and other, which leave a comment. And there have been some wonderful comments. So uh, let's bring Clover in real quick and, and and say, hey, you know, we talked a little bit about this yesterday on, on, on the Lounge podcast. And it's an interesting concept, an interesting thought process of, you know, it started with Warsaw Pagers talking about some guy that saw two people robbing a police car and, and going to steal their ARs out of their car and uh, decided to engage on that. And that kind of took us down some rabbit holes. But, you know, let's kind of start out with the poll question on, on YouTube. And I'm just going to say this. If you were faced with a situation where there was an armed threat in your area, what would you do? Um, define in my area. That's exactly where I wanted to go with this because it's so funny. We have 270 some of us, and right now, mm -hmm. get loved ones to safety is coming in at 52 percent. 
take the shot and end the threat is at 35%. Call 911 is at 5%. Find cover is at 4%. And other is at 4%. Now, reason why I, I put this question is I wanted to see where people's minds went right off the bat. And there was a great comment. I want to try to go down here and see if I can find it. Um, all right. So Sean White out there, just an hour ago, left this comment, said, missing a lot of context here. Way too broad of a question. There is too many variables to honestly answer. Just because someone is armed doesn't mean jack shit. I'm armed 88.9% of the time. And that, and I said, exactly. He got it. He was the first one that got it. Now, there were some great ones out there, and we'll go through some of these later on and discuss them. But that was the kind of the, the whole experiment of this question was to see where people's minds went right off the bat. And I like the fact that a lot of people went, I'm going to get my family to safety. Um, I was kind of surprised, honestly, that 35% said they take the shot. And that's what we're going to talk about is taking the shot. And is it worth taking the shot? And um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we're going to talk. And that's why I want to throw it out there right off the bat because I want to see where your mind went. And you went exactly where I would go is I need more information. What's right. the threat? What What is the situation instead of automatically taking that shot? Because that's that could be dangerous. Uh, Ruben out there says 10-4. Follow other groups that share info about upcoming laws and fight. Um, Judge Benitez, the assault weapons ban out there in California, I guess. I shared to others that aren't that I that I to it verbally. So yeah, um the, the problem the, the good thing about Judge Benitez out there that found that the assault weapons ban was unconstitutional is now there's precedent. There's a reason for it to go to a circuit court and possibly now maybe go up to a Supreme Court. Um until a judge ruled that it was unconstitutional, there would be no reason to send it to the Ninth Circuit or up to the SCOTUS because there wasn't any dissenting decisions or dissenting um, groups out there like the judge or, or whatever. There was there was nothing to say this is not constitutional. So now it's on the books. That's probably the best thing that could have happened with this. Now it's been, I think it's been given a stay. Um so it's still in effect, but it's on the record now that that's saying that it's unconstitutional. So that could help a lot. Isaac out there says Simper Five Brothers, Simper Fidelis. Um, now School Cram says you you have to expose yourself to take the shot. This is true, and this is something that you know we have to talk about. Is is when we go down this road of taking the shot or making that decision to take the shot, there are so many variables that go along into it, and it's not simply as I see this person who seemingly is a threat to me or someone else. Um, so I'm going to take that shot. And so I want to kind of go off. And, and the first question I want to run through you, Clover, is this is if you were in a situation where there was an armed threat, not someone that's just armed, if someone is coming in, maybe holding up a gas station that you're in or a grocery station or something like that, they are armed, they are showing signs of escalating the situation. What are some of, before you decide to draw and take that shot, 
what are some of the processes that you go through to evaluate and assess that situation before you decide what to do? I'm not asking what you would decide to do, but what are some of the processes and thought processes that you would go through? To so, determine so what are you classifying as armed? Because if you're holstered or, or slung, that that's armed. Like but I said, this, this person is escalating. Not, right? they, well, what I said is, is they are escalating the threat. They have now brandished their weapon. Not saying they are engaged or pointing at someone, but it is. Let's say it's a handgun. Well, it is no longer in a holster. It's up. Yeah. They are waving it around, making it publicly seen. Okay. So, if, so number one, if they're if they're waving it around, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, they are a perpetrator. Correct. Um. Because somebody that is defensive is pulling and they've got a bead on whatever threat that they're trying to deal with. So I would, one of two things would go through my mind fairly quickly. Number one is you're waving it around. And I've seen, seen tons of store robbery footage and every single time that's all they're doing is waving around. And most of the time, if you, if we freeze framed and, and blew it up, it was a, it was an airsoft or a BB gun or some crap. Or not even um, loaded at all. But but yeah, or not even a magazine in, right? Not even or a magazine in there, yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, if they're waving it around, that's one of the reasons they're waving it. Um, but I mean, you don't, you don't. Of course, you don't know that when you're on the other end. But sure. yeah, that's yeah. that's one of the things that that's a that's a lot quicker uh, for me to discern. Um, mm -hmm. And then that's that's this whole thing that people go. Well, someone told down the street, I, I just, it worries me that he carries and blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing. If he pulls it to defend himself or somebody, he's not going to be waving it around. I mean, who's, who does that? Who waves a gun around to defend themselves? It, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And so, um, that's, that's the first thing. Second, let's say that that's not the case. Well, here's where it gets sticky when you're in public. Um, and you're not the only one potentially carrying. So what if there is a threat identified by somebody else, you turn a corner or whatever the case may be. And somebody is up in the, you know what I'm saying? In the ready, in the ready position. Well, I'm going to scan in front of them. I'm going to scan toward quickly, right? As long as they're not pointing to, you know, as long as they're not, I'm not in the line of fire, right? I'm going to scan to their point of aim. You know what I mean? To say, to say, what are they, what are they pointing their gun at? What's, you know, that way that would help me identify the threat. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I certainly, if that was the case and they had somebody dead to rights, I certainly would not want to draw. I would not want to intervene. I wouldn't think because I wouldn't want to take their focus away from what they're doing, which is dealing with the threat. That makes sense. Absolutely. It is. I would be ready in case it turned into a, the other person was shooting back or some situation, but I wouldn't want to make, my, make myself known immediately. If somebody has the situation handled, I would want to be play that backup role. That way I could potentially get the jump to get the job done if I needed to. Yep. No, I know. And, and, and the great thing is, is the whole point of the, this kind of experiment to kind of ask that question was to see where people's first reaction was. And like I said, I was very surprised that 
35, over one third of the 270 some odd voters. So they, they take the shot. Now, I'd like to think that maybe that is people thinking positively that they would be able to take that shot. And the sentiment goes to, hey, I wouldn't be afraid to take that shot. But that was the whole purpose is 30, over a third of the people, so they take the shot. So they would take the shot seemingly without assessing the situation. I've got to think, though, that they're the problem is they're not thinking it through. That's what I'm saying. I but, think, but, I, but I think they would take it through if they were in that situation. I don't not, think they're going to question. I don't know. I, I, I don't I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. I just, I, you know, you, you got to have some faith in your fellow man. And we, we discussed that at length through this whole constitutional carry thing in Texas. And I just think if you're caring to, for defense of, of yourself and your family, you know, again, you're not a complete freaking moron. You know, do you do stupid things? We all do. Are you, are you likely to do, can people, anybody screw up? We're all human. It can happen. Yep. But, you know, I think odds are they may answer that question that way, but I think if they stopped and really thought about it, you know what I'm saying? They were viewing it as the threats happened already. The, the threat Someone's has hoping. happened already yeah. rather than yeah. I need to identify. I need to be sure it is a threat first. Right. Uh, interesting out there. The second initiate said, what if you turn the corner and it's a guy in desert linens with an AK 47 hit firing into the crowd? That's a completely different set. Uh, that's a completely different scenario because well, you're going to hear that or you turn the corner. You would you're think. Gonna hear it. Well, I would hope so. Um, but more importantly, once again, that threat has already happened. It's turned in. It's, it's, it's changed from a threat to, an actual incident at that point. Right. So before you turn that corner, I would think, and this is how I would go through that is this before I turn that corner, the question is, do I want to get involved in this? And the ego and the male says, Oh yeah, we're going to go get in that fight. But is that the smartest way to go? I mean, and, and that's for everyone to decide. That's that's for everyone else to decide if they're willing to jump in that fight or not. But at that point, once you turn that corner, you've already, whether you know it or not, you've made that decision to jump in that fight. Because if you weren't willing to get in that fight, there is no reason for you to turn that corner. You hear what's going on. You can choose to walk away, get safe, get your family. All of that stuff is good to go. That's on you. When you turn that corner you probably have already made that decision before you even know what's going on. You'll hear the gunfire. You'll hear screaming. You'll know something bad is happening, but you won't know until you turn that corner. But if you turn that corner, I would suspect that the majority, not I saying everyone, but the majority have already made that mental decision of if I'm, if I'm carrying, I'm getting ready to go jump in this somehow, some way, help save someone whether whatever it is, but I don't know. What do you think about that scenario? Would you turn the corner without committing to the fight? Um, it's no. a tough one. It's no, a tough. One. I mean, I yeah. no, no. Yeah, if 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 you're going to turn that corner, then you're committing to that fight, right? Yeah, right. I mean, you're you're, you're walking. You're stepping into the line of fire at that point. So I mean, it's yeah. 
that's obvious, I would think. Yeah. Now, G23 obviously was one of those out there. And don't take it personal. I wasn't going after you, bro. But he says, I said I would take this shot because I read into the question. The way I interpret threat is active shots, threat of someone losing their lives. That's exactly the whole reason why I worded it the way I did. It was kind of an experiment because I wanted to see where your mind is going to go without putting the thought into it. What's your first thought going to be? Is it boom, 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 boom? Now, there were people that said uh, there's there's not enough information. They were automatically thinking. And I'm not saying, G23, that you're wrong in any way. That's just how you assess that information and you assess that that situation. So, um, But this is kind of a cool thing to kind of go through is to, is to see. It's kind of one of those things where you see on Facebook or something and it's a, it's a sound. And we'll say, what do you hear? And there are seven different things that the words are. And you could go down all seven of them. And if you think about it, you could hear all seven of them that sound like that. But they all could sound that way. So it's a weird kind of a sound. Same situation here is your mind's going to go take that decision real quick and say, I'm going to end that threat. And I like the fact that you made that conscious decision that says if there is an active threat and is an active situation right there, that you would be willing to take that shot. But the question is going to be now is, is is it worth to take that shot? Because there's a lot of things that go with a shot. We talk about this all the time on, on different people talk about it all the time is responsible gun owners or any gun owner, whether they're responsible or not, any gun owner is responsible for every round that leaves their firearm. Yep. Whether it was a clean shot, dirty shot, makes no difference, a negligent discharge, whatever it is, you're responsible for every round that comes out of your firearm. And so it's interesting to think of the scenario, Clove, that, you know, some people's minds go to get my family to safety. Some people's mind go, I want to take that shot. Some people's call 911 or whatever. And someone were like, I don't have enough information. That's awesome because that's what we are. Everyone's going to be different, but it is going to be something that we're going to have to assess in our own way. Um, Carl out there. I don't remember seeing Carl for, but welcome, Carl. Carl says, my thoughts as a black man in Georgia would be what the law would do to me saying someone saving someone's life. My first thought would stay out of it unless it's my family. And to be honest with you, that is more down the road of where I stand. Um, I'm going to be more worried about me, my family, my loved ones, people that are right there with me, that are with me, to get them to safety. And then once I get them to safety, I will reassess the situation and decide, do I go back and help or do we... You know, and we won't know until that scenario because we don't know. Are there other people that are carrying inside that are that could be friendlies that could stop that through? We, you know, we don't know. We had to reassess. But my initial thought would be get my friends and family, my loved ones to safety. Right. And then reassess what's going on. And I know that you're fairly similar in those things because you've made a couple of comments. And I'll let you go into it, but you made a couple of comments on on the gun that you carry, what it's used for, and what's its purpose is. Oh, it's for defense of myself and my family. 
Yep. Uh, it's not to be a vigilante. It's not to be a police officer. It's not to be a first responder. It's not to, it's just not. So it's not my job to run into a firefight if I don't have to be in said firefight. Yep. Uh, here's an interesting question. If a group of people using hand weapons, whether it's bat, whatever it is, weapons to beat an individual, is it legal to shoot into that group? Yep. First of all, that depends on what state you're in. And you have to know when only not state, but local ordinances and all that. But it's really going to depend on what state you are. Um, but as a generality, that's an interesting uh, shoot interesting, into the group. I would think I wouldn't say probably going to jail. If you specifically yes. are shooting at the threats, you know, I certainly, when law enforcement showed up to the scene after that, I certainly wouldn't go, yeah, I just, you know, seen them beating some guy that was on the ground and I started shooting into the group. I, I yeah. certainly wouldn't go that route. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Because at that point, and especially if that's what you tell the police officers, that's not going to work out well for you. Because I understand this. We talked about this before. No matter what happens, if there is a shot fired, doesn't matter if you are 100% in the right and it's a clean shot, makes no, you're going to get cuffed and you're going to get detained. Doesn't mean you're going to get arrested and go to jail, but you're going to get detained and you're not going to go home until they're satisfied of what happened. Yeah. Now, that could be 10 minutes, it could be three hours, but understand that you're not going to just, you know, pull your trigger and say, Hey, I'm a good guy I was in that three. Oh, Hey, cool, man. Appreciate your help. Head on out. You're good to go. No, I ain't going to happen that way. It's good. It's going to be a process. Depends on where you're at in the situation. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. Too. Yeah. Chances are. I've it's seen, not just end up that way. I've seen quite a few in this area, the self-defense that literally was like a 15 minute conversation to fill out a form and you go on. Yeah. And we're talking about putting somebody in the grave. Yeah, uh, that's not the norm. Probably not, the norm. not across the country. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, California is supposedly a stand your ground state. Well, here's the thing. Stand your ground. So here's where it gets interesting with stand your ground laws. You are not the one that's being beaten. Yep. Your family member is not the one who's being beaten. They're not on your property. Um, that's where it could get interesting. Now, the good Samaritan side of us says, I'm going to go help that person. 100% agree. But legally, that's where it gets great. Stand your ground does not, probably not, going to cover you shooting into a group of people that are beating someone else because that person is standing their ground. You're not standing your ground. They're not attacking you. You're inserting yourself into that situation that you weren't, let's put it this way, you weren't brought into that situation. You're inserting yourself, and there's there's that fine line. Uh, what do you think about that, Clover, about inserting yourself? I have a problem with that. Now, it's, uh, a legal, yeah. it's le legally, vers legally versus the Good Samaritan thought process. And we all would like to think we're going to jump in and help, but legally it may be a gray area. Yeah, no, it could be. Um, 
G23 says California is not a stand your ground. 90% sure it's a duty to retreat. I don't know. I don't live there. Uh, I can say that Arkansas, we have been a duty to retreat forever. And we just now this year got stand your ground, which is crazy. Why? But we are a stand your ground uh, state now, which is nice. But uh, yeah, it, it's just interesting. Uh, oh, okay. looks like. Okay. Patriot out there sends a text. I think it's a, a link to his spreadshirt. So let me go over here real quick. Pretty sure he's a mod, but let me get this link and I'm going to copy this link and I'm going to put this out into the chat. Go check out our good friend Patriot in the dark. This is his spreadshirt. Um, so go check that out real quick if you guys want right now. But, or you can right now. Just do it in a different tab or whatever. Um, so let's go through a couple of these because I think there's some really good comments in here. Mad Sexy that had great comment. It was probably the, the most honest comment I've seen. He said, I couldn't give you a true answer until that's what happened to, you know, to where it actually happens to him. I can say I do this, I do that. But when in the heat of the moment, adrenaline pumping makes things different. And that is the one thing. Oh, he said he did as a joke. Well, okay. Uh, I'm like Ron Burgundy, dude. You put it in front of me. I'm going to read it. So um, it is what it is. But no, and, and that is something that most people don't realize. I think we all would like to think that we are ready to take that shot, that we're willing to take that shot. Because I talk about this all the time. And we talk about if you're going to carry you know, I only want people, this is kind of a people that don't like this, but you know, I'll tell this all the time. If you're not willing to take that shot that I don't, I don't want you to carry until you are ready to take that shot. And that is a mental decision. Only you can make is we can talk about carrying all the time, but why carry if you're not able or willing to take that shot when it is absolutely time to take that shot. So um, we start talking about adrenaline. We start talking about you can train all you want, but until you're in that situation where you actually have to draw and pull that gun and, and take that shot, you really don't know what that situation is going to be like. And that's just something that, you know, it, it, it could be scary for a lot of people. Once again, I'm under the thing of if, if you're not, if you know you're not able to take that shot, then don't carry until you are. And I'm all, I mean, I'm one of the biggest proponents of concealed carry or carrying in general, but I'd rather you not carry if you're not going to take that shot because at that point, you could be more danger than help in that situation. Uh, let's see here. School Cram says, we had to think about today's police officers are being pr prosecuted for a shooting. Well, you also have to understand that police officers, especially right now, police officers fall under two sets of rules. They have the law and they have the law of public opinion. Whether or not a police officer pulls his firearm and takes a shot, whether or not that is a clean, 100% clean shot, it was justified, it was a good shot, all of that makes no difference anymore. Because if it was caught on camera in any way, shape, or form, it's going to go down a rabbit hole that nobody wants to go about. So let me ask you this, Clover. I want to bring this up because at this point,
obviously uh, good friends of mine and you're the same way. Have you had any discussions with any of the police officers? Are are, are police officers, what do you think? I'm going to get your opinion. Do you think police officers are now going to be more hesitant about drawing and taking a shot because of what the public opinion and aftermath could be? And then the second part of that question when it goes to you is, could that be more dangerous? For You're breaking up, bro. Hello? Am I back? Is that me or is that... Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can, yeah. Okay. All right. I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know if you heard the question, but the question is, is do you think the police officers are going to be more hesitant and make the decision to draw and fire at a threat? And the second part of the question is, is if they are more hesitant, could that be more dangerous? Anywhere around here, that answer to that, that question is no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, they're they're going to have their body cams and they're, you know, they're not going to be too concerned about it. In the bigger, more metro areas, I, I can see where that is just potentially a problem. But yeah, yeah around, around here, man. Yeah. Uh, so the Kyle Rittenhouse is going to come up again. It always does, and that's okay. Uh, so Kyle Rittenhouse is being persecuted for sure because he was the victim that shot back to defend himself. Now, I'm going to have a little bit of a different take on the Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm not saying that I think that he is wrong in any way. I do. What I think that the problem is, no, what I'm saying is, is I don't think that I think he was justified in the shots that he took. Correct. I think his shots were justified. The fact that he was there worries me. Um, that's not because to me. To me, it, it looks like from the outside, possibly that he went there looking for a fight. Well, it, it, besides that, yeah, um, he was either ignorant, um, which is no excuse uh, in court, uh, or blatant uh, at violating the law. Uh, with the way he acquired the rifle and right. with the transport of said rifle mm -hmm. to the event that ultimately um, created the situation um, where he had to defend himself. So there was numerous problems that led to that. And that's where you, I think we have to be careful as people mm -hmm. to try to be as straight laced as we possibly can because you don't know when you're going to end up in one of those situations. And if you're not um, as straight laced as you could be, otherwise you're going to get beat over the head with it. Um, yeah. It's just, it, it's reality. It is, it is what it is. Yes. Um, it, it's, it's obvious from the footage and everything else that he wouldn't be around today. Had he not taken those shots. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also obvious that had he not even went to the stupid thing, he would likely be around today too. So, um, Without all the crap that's going on right now. And here's the next question. Had he went to the thing unarmed, right? Mm -hmm. Would he have even been in the situation that he was in where people were trying to attack him? You know what I'm saying? 
you, you uh, talk about you talk about changing it's that butterfly effect and you talk about changing one little piece of if he would have thought about this more which is sort of the point of your podcast tonight if you right. would have thought about this more beforehand would things have ended up the same way and the question with Kyle, and the answer to that with Kyle is unequivocally no it, it would not have ended up the same way no it, it definitely would not, not, not for, for him it wouldn't have ended up the same way. Who knows what would have happened had he personally not been there with the rifle and all that. Someone else might have taken those shots or whatever. But the the aesthetics, the visual, the idea of someone who should not have been in possession of that firearm that really had no reason to be at said place is now there with a firearm, clean shots, clean shoots. There's no doubt about it. The footage proves that. But like you said, that net, that may not have escalated to that point to where those incidents would have happened exactly what they did. Now, here's the When a good guy with a gun, we always talk about good guys with a gun stopping threats and, and all of that, the clean shoot, saving people's lives, saving whatever you want to go down that road. Good guys with a gun. Love it. I love hearing stories about that. But what we don't also hear about is what about an overzealous good guy with a gun? Because we talked about earlier when a, when a threat is there with a, a firearm we don't know if it's a saw. You know, I, I get it. We, we we don't have time to assess. Is that an airsoft? Is that a BB? Is that is that even loaded or whatever? But there are times when we won't, and our community doesn't want to talk about this. There are times when an overzealous good guy with a gun could escalate a problem the wrong way sometimes as well. Yeah, who was the uh, dude in Florida? <sighs> Well, the Trevor Martin and the, wasn't it? And, the uh, Trayvon. Um, and the Trevon Martin or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, whatever the Mexican dude or Hispanic dude was. That was kind of one of those situations, right? Where, you know, he had a gun. And so he kind of felt emboldened and kind of stepped over some lines that he probably shouldn't have stepped over. Um, he wasn't a law enforcement officer. You know, um, you know, and, and this, is, and, uh, Zimmerman, yeah, and then things ended up, you know, things ended up bad. I mean, it, you know, what did it, you know, what could have been, I guess. <laughs> and no, so no, when no. You, you, when you're readying yourself for, for some of these situations, I think that it's important that you, that you think about all that, all the different angles. Well, and, and that's kind of what we were talking about a little bit last night was for me, and, and once again, I'm not telling anybody out there that they have to do what I say. You have to assess what you're going to do your own way. You're you're going to have to do it how you do it. But for me, we talked about last night on your podcast, my gun's not becoming, not becoming unholstered. I'm not even going to draw until I've already made the decision that I'm going to shoot. I'm not going to draw and then assess the situation. If I'm drawn, I'm drawn to shoot. 
I've already made that conscious mental decision that something's happening, that I'm in fear for my life, for my family, and it's time to engage. So my gun's not coming out of my holster until it's ready to shoot. That's where I'm going with is, is you know, the, the problem we could have is the overzealous person does draw and starts scanning and starts assessing and all that. And then someone sees you with the gun, not knowing if you're a good guy or a bad guy, a cop walks into that same time, might think that you're the bad guy or some other friendly who's carrying has decided about the same time to engage, but then looks over and sees you scanning. Once again, this whole thing could turn Or What if the worst case scenario is the person that has the gun, the, the threat, the, the, um, the bad guy, if you will, has absolutely no intention of harming anyone. It's a scare tactic for him to get money to go whatever. It's a scare tactic, and it's a very good scare tactic. But it, and nonetheless, the intent that we didn't know about at the time, but the intent was never to utilize it to hurt anyone. But now you've drawn, and now you're aiming down the barrel but you haven't shot because now you're you're just assessing with a gun out. You've increased this whole tension now to where now he's in fear of his life. So now he starts shooting. Potentially, yeah. Potentially, but where that that intent was never there. So that's one of the things. Also, is we have to always be considerate of what the situation is because we, as good guys with guns, could potentially escalate an incident that shouldn't have ever gotten to that level. So once again, it, it's one of those things where you're going to have to do all of that yourself and, and go through your process yourself. What's a priority for you? Um, what's it going to take to pull that trigger or to draw and, and take that shot? Taking the shot is the last thing of about probably 30 variables that need to be decided on very, very quickly. And there's really no way of doing that. There's no way of practicing that. There's no way, of, but you need to start at least going down that road of thinking for me, setting aside on paper, what are the criteria that it's going to take for you to decide I'm jumping in this fight right. and only, only you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason said last week, uh, didn't an Indiana cop shoot a good guy that just dropped a cop killer maniac? Um, I don't know. I haven't heard. I don't watch news anymore. So I hear news through this world out here. I don't watch news anymore. So I don't, I don't keep up with, I'm sorry, all of that stuff. But yeah, I mean, once again, uh, a good guy might have stopped a maniac. But the cop might not have known what happened beforehand. The cop shows up. Once again, chances are that that's the beautiful thing about caring every day is you are that first responder. You are that you are your own personal security or whatever you want to call it. So you're going to be able to assess and maybe end that threat before police get there. They could be anywhere from three to 12 minutes away, maybe even more depending on where you live. So you're probably going to be able um, 
to assess that and make that decision before a police officer gets there. But when a police officer gets there, this is a great little, this is, I didn't talk about this, but let's go down this rabbit hole. What if you have decided to end that threat? You've had to end that threat and you've done it successfully. The police show up. The police don't know who the good guy and bad guy is. They don't know what's going on. They've heard shots fired at the Easy Mart on Main Street. And they're hauling ass to get there. They're going to go there. And the first person they see with a gun, they have to assume anyone at that time with a gun is a bad guy until they assess the situation. So if a cop shows up and you have done your job and ended that threat or whatever, at that point, reholster your gun, put the gun on the ground, hands up. Hey, you know, please put your gun. So you got the gun in here because they're not going to care that you're a good guy at that point. Don't put yourself in a position that you could be a victim because they haven't assessed the situation. They know shots fired at Easy Mart. Let's get there quickly. Boom. Um, yeah, yeah. If, uh, if if law enforcement says drop it, you drop it. That's right. <laughs> you, you argue with them. You argue with the judge. You, you don't argue with it. Uh, yeah. What's that saying? I'd rather be uh, judged by 12 than carried by six. Yeah, that works the other way, too. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, let's see here. Cop killed in his car. Now, there was another one down here that I wanted to bring up um, because. Now, I'm not going to pick on G23, but this is something that needs to be if you Come on. Well, I know. I'm going to pick them a little bit. But if he says, if you neutralize the situation, your family is safe. Is that the only way your family can be safe is by neutralizing that? First of all, is your family in direct threat of that? You know what I'm saying? So once again, there's a whole lot of context that needs to be added, need to assess and all that. If you're one of those that your loved one's safety is the only answer is to take that shot. But that should be the absolute last resort. It should be the absolute last resort. Um, now, Buck out there, this is one of the things that I wanted to talk about because I was surprised that only 5% said call 911. Uh, Buck says, you call 911, tell them what you are wearing and that you are a good guy. Now, I the sentiment is wonderful. Okay, I love Say hi to him real quick. But um, the sentiment is great. Call 911. First of all, call 911 and tell them what's going on because the person behind the counter might be have a, a shotgun pointed at their face. They're probably not going to get a chance to call 911. So if, call 911. Now, the sentiment of telling them what you're wearing hey, I'm wearing a red hoodie um, that's got St. Louis Cardinals on it with a white hat and jeans. I'm a good guy. That sounds great. But I'm going to assume that the cop doesn't care if you say you're a good guy or not. Because the bad guy could be calling and saying, I'm the good guy. 
let's just be real. That could very well happen. But I, I like the idea of calling 911 and get that going because if everyone just assumed that someone else is going to call 911, then no one gets them called. Um, but yeah, Patriot says that's when you take off your jacket, exposing your freshly purchased t shirt that says hashtag good guy. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I love the sentiment of that. But you also need to understand that. They're going to go in, whether they're told that the guy in the red, the red hoodie is a good guy, they're going in there. Everyone's a threat until they're no longer a threat, however that goes down. Hopefully, they keep their cool heads. No shots are fired. People are detained. They figure out who, what's going on. Hey, this is a good guy. Okay, boom, you're good to go. This is the bad guy. But just because you call 911 and say, hey, I'm the good guy, please don't expect the cops to just walk in and say, we that's the good guy he told us he was he told us he was a good guy so we're going to trust him i'm not going to trust anybody right i'm not going to trust a soul that says they're a good guy until i know that they're a good guy that's just me let's see here um guns and barbecue says if you're with your loved ones have them call 911 while while we assess the situation and choose the best course of action As many people as you can get to call 911 in a situation like that, the better. I mean, let's just be real. Um, now, this is going to be interesting. McCluskey's should have – this is from Second Initiate. McCluskey should have remained behind their planter. Any thug in the crowd could have pulled out a pistol and shot them before they could respond. Yeah. Agreed on a lot of different levels. They probably should have stayed inside the house and – you know, here's the thing. Once again, you're talking about someone or a couple of people that inserted themselves into a situation where people trespassing. Yep. Could they have done some damage to their house, their vehicles, their yard? Yes. Is that worthwhile to come out? Um, but for someone else, it could be. I think they probably, my opinion is they probably should have just kept their asses in the house and let them go and live to fight another day. That's just me. Uh, But I don't know. What do you think about that whole McClough? Would you have gone out and inserted yourself in that situation? Probably not. I mean, them being on the lawn is, is not... Was was not a good thing. It wasn't tactically sound, especially not with the mob out there. Yeah, it just made to me it made no sense. But yeah, yeah. And, and real call says people in the crowd did have guns. Exactly. You're inserting yourself into a guy with a gun there to protect your property and all of that. You inserted yourself into the situation that could have turned it and escalated it very very badly very very badly just by your presence so that's a whole other thought process is when to insert yourself into that threat do you do that because once you do there's no going back in my opinion in my opinion once you insert yourself into that situation there is no going back and that situation has now changed correct so is this one of those um it's just what it is. I, I don't. I don't know. I. I. I know there's a lot of people that 
the, the Kyle Rittenhouse and the McCluskeys and all of that. I, I get it. I get it. But they inserted themselves into these situations. And that's what, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't just happened to be walking down that street when the riot took place and was caught in the middle of it. He inserted himself. McCluskey's inserted themselves into that mob. That's a different situation. That's a whole different. And I'm not saying that I disagree with what they did or that I think that they were bad people, but let's just be real about it. And this could be something that might not be the most popular thing, but let's be real about it. You insert yourself in that situation. It's a whole other dynamic. And at that point, we don't know what the legal system is going to do. We don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Tash Gods of Fools says they made it impossible to defend them when they plead guilty. Guns of Barbecue says, heck no, I would have kept my fat behind in the house. If they caused some property damage, I have insurance for that reason. There you go. Um, Jeremy Thompson says my home state, Louisiana, is having a veto override of John Bell Edwards' veto of concealed carry without permit. So, um, Louisiana governor did veto the permitless carry. I have not now, Jeremy, is there an update of when that vote is, is taking place? Is it happening now or is it this week or when is that veto override vote going to happen? Cause that'd be interesting to hear the results of that. Um, Patriot says you cited guys who have it rough. I'm just going to wait until it get hands on. There you go. Um, that's funny. Uh, I only go out to Walmart with the mother-in-law too scary to mess with, but if she got taken out, it's all good for me. That's Jason. I think he's having a little fun. Uh, I hope so. Maybe he's not. I don't know. It depends on how the old uh, mother-in-law, maybe it's a monster-in-law. You never know. Um, agorizer out there says, okay. So Jeremy says 20 to 24. So that doesn't sound good. If it's 20 to 24, it doesn't sound like they're going to override that veto. So Louisiana might not be getting permitless, uh, permitless carry. I don't know. Agorizer says maybe if LEOs had been allowed to do their jobs, people wouldn't feel a need to insert themselves. See, and I, and I agree to a certain extent, but LEOs are human beings also. And, and let's be real. I, I cannot speak for everywhere. But I can tell you the vast majority of law enforcement officers that I know around the state of Arkansas, if they're if they're not training or practicing on their own, very few of them are ever put in situations at a range through training or hell, just going to range to shoot. A lot of them are not put in the situations enough to help them make those decisions. So I don't necessarily blame them, but they could do it on their own. They could go seek out training. They could go seek out a lot of different things and all that. But most LEOs are not prepared either for that situation. Um, that's just the reality of it. Whether they, whether they are in the right or the wrong, being able to do their jobs, a lot of it comes down to a lot of the departments don't have the money to train their officers. They don't have the money to send them to the range on a regular basis to become proficient. A lot of law enforcement officers had never shot a gun before they went to police academy and they might not shoot a whole lot of police academy. And then they might go a couple years without shooting and qualifying 
for the, the police force. So understand that the, sometimes the, the firearm side of a law enforcement officer is limited experience at best. Many police officers don't like firearms as well. Um, and that's a reality also. Um, but I agree that if law enforcement officers were allowed to do their jobs or were given the tools and the support to become better at their jobs, um, that would help. And that's not, that is not their fault. Um, I do believe that there, there is a lot of really amazing police officers out there, law enforcement officers, but a lot of times they are not given the tools, the ability, the support, um, to do their jobs as well as they could. And, and that needs to change. Obviously I am not one of those that believes that the police need to be defunded. I'm on the other. Uh, oh, he said, that's when the vote is, is 2020, the 20th, to the 24th of July. So that second to last week of July is when it's probably going to be voted on. Uh, Jeremy, let me know. I'll, I'll try to keep up with that, but I would like to, um, I would, like to see hopefully that overrides being down there in louisiana is right below us jeremy i want to ask you this is um what's the sentiment statewide are there people were people upset that the veto happened or is was that expected because i don't know i don't i don't keep up louisiana um politics but since you're right below us i'd be interested to know uh let me know uh let's see here Agorizer said, I'm just saying that politicians kept the law at bay, which let riders running free, thereby encouraging railroad folks to get in it. Well, I, I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you. I think that the politicians um, at many levels, federal, states, local, city, county, whatever, um, have a lot to do with the rights and all that because they have basically said that we are allowing people to I'm not saying riot, but they're going to let them protest and protests turn into riots a lot of time um, because the politicians don't want to upset a group of people that want to protest. That's cool. I get it. Um, encouraging other people to get involved. I think that people are going to get involved if they want to get involved. Once again, they're inserting themselves into that situation. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's up for you personally to decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing for you. But once again, if if there is a, a protest march going down on a Little Rock and it could turn into a riot, I'm not going to go down there, Period. Because it doesn't have anything to do with me. They're exercising their First Amendment right to assemble. Now, if it turns to riots, that's I understand that. That's a whole other issue. But I don't have to be the one that goes and stops those riots. I don't have to be the one who inserts myself into a dangerous position um, for something that doesn't affect me directly. So I understand what you're saying about the politicians going and saying, Hey, we're going to let these people go. And now a lot of the reason why the protests turn into riots is because there are the opposition there protesting against their protests. And that's when it becomes ugly. But once again, 
I don't think it's the right idea to insert yourself into that situation to be the one to stop that situation. That's not your responsibility. That's not your job. That's just my opinion. If you want to make that your responsibility, hey, go be Batman all you want. But a vigilante is not necessarily a hero. Um, that's just someone that takes the law into their own hands, and that doesn't always work out well for people. Um, but, yeah. Um, Jason says, I gained a lot of respect for local LEOs after I saw them shoot a run and gun at the range. Definitely rather be their friend than foe. Yeah, I'm not saying that all LEOs aren't trained. There's a lot of them that are great. But I can tell you that small town, small county, rural fire uh, sheriffs and local police departments, a lot of times they're not going to utilize the funds that they, the limited funds they do have for training. That's just the way it is. Uh, do I think that's right? No, I think that they should go and get trained. They should be, I'm not saying I want to militarize the police force, but I think that law enforcement officers should be trained in certain military aspects. They should be held to a, a, a standard. If you're going to not only let them, but almost force them to carry a firearm as a part of their duty loadout and, and uniform, then I think that you have the responsibility as that sheriff or that police chief or that city council or whatever to you know, if you're going to force them to, to carry that gun then they should be trained as highly as they can and don't sit there and not say we don't have the funds for that then if you're not going to go get your law enforcement officer trained then you shouldn't force them to carry a gun that's my personal opinion yeah um are you back you're back yeah. Yeah. okay yeah um Patriot of Dark says, do you mean these training places wouldn't give a discount to a whole department that asked for training? It doesn't matter. I'm telling you, man, if you live in rural Arkansas where I live or rural Texas where Clover lives, it may not matter what the if it's not free. There is a lot of police departments and sheriff's departments that don't have the they don't have control of their own budget. OK, so here our sheriff's department's budget is controlled by the quorum court. It's not like the sheriff can just go and say, hey, I want to take my guys and we're going to sign up for this training class. Yep. If it's going to come from their funds, they have to get that approved by the JPs. So funds, and they have to get everything approved by the quorum court. And so what happens? They may not get any training because it's, a lot of red tape just to get some guys training. So it's one of those things. That, I don't know. It, it's it's different. It's different everywhere. You know, it's different everywhere. And I'm assuming it's probably the same way down there. I mean, do you, do your police officers they do a lot of training down there? Not a whole lot, honestly. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, your your day to day call them street cops or deputies. Uh, no, absolutely not. The ones right. that are day to day doing the crap that are more likely to. Uh, really, really need it when the time arises. No. Now, the, you know, tactical, you know, drug raid team, task force people, um, they do some training, of course, every now and then. But uh, that's what I was fixing to say. Even when you, when you run a, let's say, a three-man department, the chief with two officers, um, who covers the city or the county or the while whatever training. while you're training? I mean, that's 
Seriously. No, that's exactly because I was getting ready to say that because Patriot there says, do you mean KD wouldn't travel to these remote places? And I'm not going to use KD. So I'm not going to call anyone out. I'm going to say that I know a lot of firearm trainers that would travel for free, but I know a lot of them that say to hell with you. Let's be honest about it. To a lot of firearms instructors, it's a business. They're not going to go anywhere they ain't getting paid. No well, matter what, I'm just saying. I think, I'm not saying KD. I'm saying that there are, but yeah. there are a lot of that will if you find the right ones, especially instructors that maybe be former law enforcement. They probably be more apt to do that. But you were right about going out there and, and, and all that. If you have, if if you're going to take your your force, and let's say it's six people, and they're working three or four at a time, and they're, you know, like you said, if they go to the training class, who's gonna cover the shift? So now it needs to be a multiple day class so that half of them can go one day, the other half can go the next day. Well, now you're talking about a two-day class that, once again, all these variables, and a lot of times, a lot of times, from personal experience that I know of talking to law enforcement, a lot of times it's not worth the hassle to try to figure out how that works. So as you were saying, Clover, and I like what you were saying, is, is there are people that will take training but it's on their own, you know, or, or they're they're willing to practice themselves right. more on their own. Those are the people that typically will get promoted also because they are taking it upon themselves to better themselves with the firearm tactics and all of that. So maybe they do one day get into a leadership position and say, look, this is how I got here. Maybe everyone else should do the same. And it's, it's about leadership. And we're lucky here that our sheriff is very much into training. And so he has really opened up the doors for our sheriff's department to do that, um, which it necessarily hasn't been the case before that. It was get to qualify once a year, but they also then let you have another year. Sometimes you don't have to go two, two and a half years before you qualify. And it was here's a box of ammo uh you qualify tomorrow that's how it was now there's an allotment of ammo for it they have to shoot x amount of rounds per month or per quarter and they internally qualify uh quarterly which i think is awesome um so yeah uh you were gonna say something i'm sorry go ahead no uh -uh. oh i thought i heard you starting to talk i'm i'm in a talkative mood tonight so i'm sorry um if just jump in just tell me to shut up if you have something to say because I'm in a talk. I, I'm, I've got a little sugar rush, and yeah, I don't have. I don't have a problem with that. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there was something down here. Okay, so Carl says. So you mean armed security has to be trained, but cops don't? All the armed security guards I know have to be trained with their firearm three times a year. So I think every state is different. Once again, I can tell you. I don't know if that question was directed towards me or not, but. I can tell you that I think that the sheriff's department, they have to go and qualify once a year. But there is something that if something happens, they're busy or they're on duty or whatever, there's there's different situations that could get you a 12-month extension on that. So technically, a deputy doesn't have to qualify, but every two years, the firearm. And let's be honest the qualification process probably isn't the most stringent. 
So you're talking about a law enforcement officer that potentially doesn't shoot their firearm at maybe 50 rounds every two years. And that's what we're dealing with. There's a lot of departments that are like that. Um, not everyone's the same. Not everyone can afford to do that. Not every, let's be honest, not every law enforcement officer is going to be motivated to practice on their own, on their off time. I get that. I don't blame them. Their off time is their off time. But that's a reality. That's a reality. Uh, oh, snap. So we're bringing in, what's up, home diggity? What's going on? How you guys doing? Much, man. Just having an interesting conversation. I kind of want to bring, uh, I'm glad you're here, but we're talking law enforcement now, which you actually have background in, but also as an instructor and this is the firearm guy, talking about taking the shot. You talk about different scenarios where the, I, I put a poll out there for a reason. It says if you were in a situation where there was an armed threat, would you take the shot, get your family to cover, call 911, whatever. And a lot of it says there's not enough context. Well, that's great. I love when someone says there's not enough context because I don't want someone to automatically, I'm going to shoot because we don't know if that's a good guy or what. So, you know, I want to kind of bring you in and, and, and let you kind of talk about what you teach in ICE training. By the way, Rob Pink, if you guys don't know Rob, go check. Rob's a media whore. All you got to do is, is find him somewhere. Uh, but you know, I, didn't you're know, I didn't even know what you were going to talk about. Now, at least I'm glad I know what you're talking about. There was a show. Hey, no. Yeah, it. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. A show, a camera? I'm in. Oh. No. <laughs> but when you're training with law enforcement or back in your law enforcement days, you know, we're talking about right now with uh, law enforcement almost. I'm going to go back to this. I think this is a really good one. Uh, talking about law enforcement's officers almost scared maybe to insert themselves in a situation because of the public scrutiny they could be into, which could be even more dangerous and all that. But when it comes to law enforcement and you're training law enforcement or your experience, especially in today's volatile, hostile environment, do law enforcement officers or do you think law enforcement officers right now are more slower to make insert themselves into a violent situation because they might be worried about media or whatever, or they're put in a bad situation. But what do you think the thought process now has, has their thought process changed when it comes to an armed threat right now? So currently I'm not attached to any agency. It's been about a year since I've been even a reserve law enforcement officer, but most of the last 25 years I have had at least a reserve status with an agency and, and work patrol off and on a lot as a training officer i was full-time with a small city in virginia uh 20 years ago right back it's 20 years ago this month that i left law enforcement full-time work to do uh, what i do now to teach but obviously i still teach a lot of law enforcement so this with that as the background let me say that i, I think that there is a definite mindset change the worst part of the mindset change i think is the hesitation to control a situation assertively because you're gonna be accused of something that maybe you didn't need to go that far, right? So in other words, it used to be very common to have guns pulled out. Maybe what we would say now, well, the gun didn't need to be pulled out. But you know, it was very quickly from, hey, I want you to do something or I want you to stop doing something to, hey, for real, stop doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And then the thing stopped and it's like, okay, I'm putting my gun away and now we're gonna get the handcuffs or whatever we're gonna do and we're gonna move on. Well, 
and I, I warned American law enforcement officers of this 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. This was starting to happen in other places around the world where just pulling your gun out was considered a, leth a lethal use of force. It was a documentable use of force. You had to write a report about it. And then about 15 years ago, we started to see some agencies do this in the U.S. Now there are a lot of agencies over the last five years, and I think we're going to see more and more of it. Every time that gun comes out of the holster, you have to write a report about it. And now we're starting to see citizen complaints about, well, he touched his gun. Well, sometimes we touch our gun just to protect it, right? We're not touching the gun as a threat, although there are times where now what used to be, hey, seriously, don't do that it's thing, yeah. has become, hey, hey seriously, it. don't do that thing. And I think that's right. better. We call this the staged position. So like I said, I probably pulled my gun out a lot of times when I shouldn't have. And by default, the fact that I didn't shoot anybody probably didn't need to, where I could have upped the ante on my presence by just grabbing the gun and, and saying, hey, no, really, you know, or I could have just had better presence in the first place or maybe given better commands. So we are training officers to do things better in a lot of ways. I don't think in the moment of like the active school killing going on, I don't think there's officers hesitating, right? In the, in the guy who who's pulls a gun out, I don't think officers are hesitating in that moment of counter ambush. I think the hesitation and the hemming and hawing and the politics and the fear about the cameras and you're wearing a body camera and there's a dash camera and that person has an iPhone 12 and that's a surveillance camera. I think those worries are in the much lower level areas, right? That potentially can turn into bigger problems because the officers weren't very assertive and confident and dominant at an early outset. And then maybe some, some potential attackers might see that as weakness and think they can get away with something they can't get away with. And then it escalates to a shooting. Um, I think about that guy that like what fell asleep at the Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta about a year ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they had to wake him up and then they wanted to arrest. Then they gave the sobriety test. And then when it came time to arrest him, the guy started fighting, but those cops never really took dominant assertive control did not use good unarmed tactics to control the guy. The guy felt desperate and or emboldened, grabbed the taser, and it led to him getting shot and killed. Now, was that a failure on the officer's part? Absolutely, a thousand percent. Was it caused because they hesitated to be dominant and assertive early on in that relationship with that guy? I don't know, but that's the kind of thing that I see being the problem that you're talking about. Yeah. That makes sense. Long answer, yeah. but, but I want to give context to it. No, and, and, and that's the whole point is the context, because I put a very vague question out there for a reason today, because I wanted to see and experience where people's minds went. 5% said they called 911. 5% said they, uh, or 4% said they'd find cover. 52% said they would get their loved ones to safety, which I like. 35% said they take the shot and the threat. Very few people left a comment said, I need more information. What's the context? Just because you're armed doesn't mean you're a threat. Just because you're a threat doesn't mean you've escalated into an, you know, a full-on incident at that point. It's not an actual shooting. There is not that that variable there. Um, not saying that they're wrong by saying they take that shot, but that's the whole idea of this is the, the mentality checklist that you're going to have to go through before inserting. That's where it is. is we as private citizens that carry most of the time it's we are inserting ourselves into a scenario and is that a good thing or a bad thing we talk about kyle rittenhouse we talked about him earlier 
very justified in the shots that he took, but why was he there? You know, the McCluskeys, could they have just stayed in their house and let people destroy their yard? Or yes, they could. They inserted themselves. And that's what I'm trying to get to people, especially that might be new to carrying or thinking about it is these are some of the thought processes that you're going to have to go through when it comes to taking that shot is you're inserting yourself probably into a scenario. So that's kind of what I, I, I want to talk about. I don't think the question really, I think, and I understand why you did it that way. Yeah. Like the yeah. I don't think the question for most people is whether they shoot or not. It's probably mm-hmm. whether they should get involved or not. That's or it. Or whether they should get their gun out or not. That's it. Right? And those are very Remind good questions. Um, um, yeah. There was somebody post, I forget what it was, uh, somebody recently posted a quote from Jeff Cooper, and it was something like, it, when attacked, the best course of action is often to counterattack. And it was like, okay, that's great. The problem is, are you really being attacked? Right? Yeah, that's sure. the problem. When it's great, are yes, you I agree with you being correct. attacked? Are but, you being attacked? Yeah. Right. The shoplifter, I'm not being attacked. I don't need to draw my gun. I don't. You know what I mean? Like the McCluskeys, they weren't being attacked. That's bullshit. No. There's, you know, that that was all created drama they sure. made when they went outside. You know, they, the, the Kyle Rittenhouse, he showed up maybe thinking he was doing the right things. The 17 year old kid with apparently the lack of parental supervision, maybe he thought he was doing the right thing, but he put himself in a situation where he then was attacked. Right. So yep. was he being attacked when he decided to leave his state and go across the border and go to that town and defend something that wasn't even his? No. Right. He put himself there. So those, these are the questions I want gun owners to ask. Right. Is when should you put yourself into a situation? When should you get yourself out of a situation? So like if I remember like your question and the, the options. Right. It's like, well, if I have the if my family's there, then, then that has to be focused on my priorities. Sometimes in a tiny, tiny, tiny little piece of the puzzle, drawing the gun and taking the shot is going to be the way I make my family safe. I think about Caleb Kazi being in that yeah. uh, Costco a few years ago down in Texas when it was being robbed. He was with his family. He had a gun on, he had his medical stuff. He could have done a lot of things, a gun guy or a medical guy, right? But what he did as a father and a husband was get his family out the back door and just left. So that was the right move, right? And and I think, okay, so take the family out of it. Or if I can't leave, maybe I'm just gonna hide and I'm gonna call 911, right? And now I'm not really involved, but I'm doing something, right? But not until I get, pinned down by that guy with the gun or he, he happened to show up right in front of me is it even a question of am i going to take the shot and that's what we want people to think about and i think that's what you're getting at right yeah because my my thing we it started last night on, on clover's podcast you know and we talk about this clover jump in um but i told people for me i'm not that guy who's going to draw and assess Right, right. It's not if a gun comes out of my holster, I've already made that decision. Right. My gun leaves a holster. I'm shooting. I've already made that decision. You know, so that's where I'm kind of hoping is that people are understanding is is there is a lot of variables. There's a lot of decision process that have to occur before your hand gets that gun out of the holster. For me, once that leaves a holster, it's happening. I've already made that decision that this is it. Um, a question that came up earlier, scenario came up earlier is what if you hear someone shooting into a crowd around the corner? Well, here's the thing. Once you turn that corner, you've already made the decision to get involved in that situation, but you don't have to go help. 
I'm not saying that you're a good or bad person for walking away, but your priority is you and your family's safety. Live to fight another day. But once you turn that corner, you're in. You've made that decision to join that fight or whatever. And no one's going to tell. And that, that's the whole thing is I'm not trying to tell me what to do, but there's a lot of things that people may not realize, especially that might be new to caring, new to whatever, being your own personal defender that they may not think about. And so the whole idea is the shot worth it. I don't know. But for me, I'm not just going out there looking to shoot anyone that I can that seemingly is a threat because at that point, it's up to the jury of 12 whether it's clean or not. If I take the shot, it's going to be 100% it's clean because I've, I'm, in, I'm in danger and my family's in danger and there's going to be no way around that. Um, now, this is interesting. I want to bring you guys in on this one. I just had a friend ask me about concealed carry shooting someone in the back. I told him, depends on the situation. Are you protesting others, etc.? So Ted, I want to bring your eye guys in there. My initial thought is, is if you shoot someone in the back, it's going to be very difficult to prove that they were a direct threat to you. Now, the only thing I could probably see from my eyes is if someone's in me and then they turn around and let, let's say my daughter's on the other side of him and he turns maybe to, to look at that, that I'm st I still might take that shot to defend my daughter. But my opinion, and maybe Rob, Clover, you can bring some insight in. Maybe you guys have experience. Shooting someone in the back is, is very difficult to prove that it's self-defense. Uh, what, do what do you guys think? I would agree. Rob, bring you in. Yeah, Any well, experience yeah, it, on that stuff? So it's it's it, they're shooting in defense of others, and then there's the shooting to defend yourself, and they are two very, very, very different things. And yes. the way you're judged, especially, it can vary even more greatly than the way self defense is is judged in different jurisdictions, different states. Defending someone else is judged even more radically differently. There's some big sure. extremes in that area, so you got to know your local law in some ways. But I always say it's should versus could. So it's not. Can I shoot to defend somebody else? It's should, should you shoot to sure. defend somebody else? And the other the other piece is there's this very other, this gray area too, which we talk about a lot more in the law enforcement side, which is the guy who's running away, right? So he's running away and shooting at you, or he was going to stab you. And as you pull your gun out and start shooting at him, he's around to run, but the third yeah. shot hits him in the back. So there's there is a difference. What you're gonna find, if you were to Google right now, you know, court case shot in back. Right. You would end up hearing 99.9% of what you're going to find is case law based on law enforcement officer shooting where yeah. the person probably turned somewhere during the, the moment. Right. And then took bullets to the back or an officer was shooting to defend somebody else. But in the clear cut case of an officer shooting to defend somebody else, it's, you're not going to see a court case because nobody's going to question right. it. Police officers are much more often charged with shooting in defense of others. Let's think of the one in, in Columbus, Ohio recently where the woman had the knife and she shoved somebody down and she was oh, going yeah. to stab somebody. Officer comes out and puts a bunch of rounds into her torso. And I, right. I think he shot her in the side and the back, particularly there. But it was so clear on the video, he was not shooting, he was not claiming he was shooting to defend himself. Mm -hmm. He was shooting to defend the person that that person was going after. So that's one of the cases where the video clearly vindicates you know, what the officer mm -hmm. did. I would think in terms of shooting in defense of someone else, the, the quandary, the scenario I always give students in class is this one. It's you're at the convenience store, you're trying to figure out, do I want the, the Funyuns or do I want the Cheetos? Try to figure it out. And then you hear the guy like around the other side of the aisle, give me all the money, man, put it in the bag, put it in the bag. 
Okay, well, I'm going to look at that. Oh, there's a guy holding his shirt up, pointing at a gun, saying, don't make me pull this out, man. Put all the money in the bag. Come on, put the money in the bag. Okay. So I'm like, oh, as, as you talked about, I might go to a staged position. I might, if my daughter's there, especially look for that back door, right? But maybe I can't leave. Maybe I'm alone. I decide not to leave, be the good witness, whatever. Maybe I'm going to get my phone out, 911, text or something, right? At some point, the guy gets the money in the bag and then says, nah, never mind. I can't have any witnesses. Grabs the gun, puts his hand on the gun, grabs the guy, pulls him across the counter, puts him up against the milk. And he says, man, I can't have any witnesses, but you better say your prayer because I'm about to put a bullet in the back of your head. Puts the gun to the back of his head. At some point, I got to make a decision, right? right? And I'm probably, if that's the way that plays out, no other factors, no other context necessary. If that's where we are, I'm probably coming out, leaning out and putting rounds, right? And they're going to be in the guy's side or the guy's back, probably in the guy's side, the way I'm describing it, right? Sure. Unless he's got a kneeling. You're all putting angles. Sure. Back of yeah. his head, maybe, whatever. Point being, I'm not shooting to defend myself. Now, in class, the scenario is, and then you find out it was an airsoft gun, right? Which, which Clover had brought up earlier. Most so, of the time, it's airsoft BB or a gun with no magazine in it is just there for effect. Absolutely. So maybe, but you don't know. So you, the guy was just going to scare the yeah. guy. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know that. So now you're judged based on what you perceived, not the reality. And what I always say is, you have to be able to articulate what you saw. You know, when the cops show up, you don't say, oh, I didn't need to shoot him, put me in cuffs, right? Yeah. But, but absolutely, there's factor there of maybe even if you just shot the guy in the back of the head and you didn't call out, drop the gun, which I would not call out, drop the gun. Why would I give the guy the chance? He's, he's, he's sort of dealt his own cards, right? As far as I'm concerned. But a lot of people are taught, or I think they think they can't take that shot without like that's the guy's the attention or something. Yeah, that's the movies say. You got right. freeze, put your and gun I'm, down. <laughs> and I'm saying no. There is a point where right. I would take that shot. And as much as it would be something I was trained to do when I went through sniper school, like yeah. it would be that controlled shot. I am pulling this trigger right now with the intention of putting a bullet through your head that's going to shut you down. And this is a choice you made. And I am now responding to it with this choice to save this other guy's life. That's right. That if you and here's the thing you said before, like maybe people haven't thought about this stuff. I think a lot. I don't think anybody puts the gun on and then all of a sudden is like, oh, you mean I could see a situation where I might need to pull it out? I think most people just think it, they think of it as very simple terms. Like, yeah. well, either I'd need the gun or I wouldn't. And they don't explore all these gray areas. And this is why these right. conversations are important. Yeah. And, 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 and you guys know, I've said this before. I'm one of the biggest proponents. That's one of my missions. Passions, but I don't want necessarily everyone caring. I've said it before, and it's not a public. If you know that you're not going to be able or willing to take that shot when needed, I'd rather you not carry until you are ready to take that. Because at that point, you might be, you might make the situation worse. We talked about earlier with Clover was talking about you draw and freeze, put your gun down or whatever. Well, you don't know who else is seeing that. They might think that you're a bad guy. And then all oh, hell's get ready to break loose or that, like you said before, the guy who's sticking up the, the gas station had no intention of using that firearm. But now you draw and he sees you engaged on him. Now he's defending himself and all right. hell breaks loose. So in his mind, it's it's crazy. Um, but that's just the way it is. Uh, but yeah, the, the thought process, I think, is really, really important. Because a lot of people, I think, and I love it, but I think especially recently a lot of people are caring because they're they are in fear they want to carry for personal protection i think a lot of people carry because they want to make a political statement that's cool 
But those are the ones that probably haven't thought the thought everything out through and say, what criteria do I personally have that's going to sit there and say, if it makes this checklist, I'm going to draw and engage. I don't think people have gone through that process. And that's part of caring. That's, in my opinion, that's part of the responsibility of caring is you need whatever your personal criteria is. You need to set those standards down and say, I need to get my family to safety. If I send them out that back door of that gas station and I choose to go back in, here's why or whatever. But that's on you. Um, there is a question I want to bring you, Clover and, and, and Rob. Born to be a shooter, Josh says, I'm sure it's been asked, but could any of this apply to home defense? Absolutely it does. But you now this was asked about shooting in the back, okay? Shooting in the back when someone is in your home is going to be a different scenario probably legally than if it was somewhere else because if you have someone intruding in your house, they've already broken the law. So at that point, in your eyes, Rob or Clover, if someone was in your home and you come around that corner, you're scanning, you're scanning, and there's someone picking up your TV set or whatever, and they've got their back to you, you take that shot if that's what you want to do. Is it different being in your home than out in public in your eyes? I, I think so. Let me do that. Let me unpack this for a second because. Yeah, I've got a lot of shit going your way. Yeah. What you just said, like four minutes ago. If I pull mm -hmm. my gun out, it's because I'm shooting somebody. That's and right. Yet, what you just pantomimed was your gun was out and you were like slicing the pie in your house. I'm not saying me. I'm just saying if, if you're in well, a, okay, if no, you're but, in but your house. But yeah, no, I hear you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. And that's why I want to clarify because your audience, right? And this is your audience. Yeah. That I'm just I'm just crashing the party. But they just heard you say, well, I'm not pulling my gun out. And then they saw you mm -hmm. do that. And I'm thinking, okay, let's unpack that first. Because I will tell you that. I feel that while the law may be different, that's a could issue. Can I sure, shoot yeah. somebody? I'm still going back to should, right? Should versus could. So the should issue is I should, especially you got family in the house. You're mm -hmm. infinitely more likely at three o'clock in the morning when you hear a bump in the night to find a family member getting a glass of water or doing something else than you are find some guy that really means to hurt or kill you or your family members. So yeah. I don't think you ever right? Whatever training we've got should be this. This is not our job. We're not Jack Bauer going to the house. The, the gun should be in the holster, hand on the gun, stage position, flashlight in hand. You know your house. Maybe you don't even need the lights on. That's how you move around to find your family members. And then you lock the door and then you call 911. So you get everybody in the bed. That's what we teach. Eh? That's what I teach people to do. That's what I would hopefully I would do my intention to do. If I hear the bump at three o'clock, I got a camera right over here that looks across the whole main floor of the house. I can access that camera from my cell phone, from inside that bedroom with the deadbolt thrown, and I can see who's moving around out here. And if it's one of the, the teenagers, or it's, it's it's my older daughter visiting, or it's the six-year-old up trying to get a glass of water, I'm gonna find out if it's a guy in a balaclava, I'm gonna find out. Now, at some point, if I, if there's you know alarms going off and the glass is broken, and I've gotta to get to my daughter's room to go make sure she's safe, same thing, but I'm not, I know my daughter's supposed to be in the room. I'm not running in there with a gun pointed at her. The gun's going to be low or it's going to be a handgun in a holster. And now I'm back to the same place I was in the convenience store. Exactly the same place mentally and exactly the same place morally. If the guy's stealing my TV, I'm not shooting him. Let if him go. If the guy yep. is stealing now, he's in my house, it's a little different. I can't just hide behind the Funyuns, right? So now I do have to engage him. I do have to say, hey, seriously, I've got a gun. I see you touching the TV. I'm not going to mm -hmm. shoot you unless, right? Because I don't want him panicked. 
Right. Because a lot of a lot of guys in prison will tell you, I was just there to rob the place, and then the homeowner came home, and then yeah. I panicked, and then I stabbed him, or and then I yeah. shot him, or then the homeowner confronted me. The homeowner had a gun. We started wrestling. The gun went off. Homeowner died, and now here I am in prison. All I wanted to do was steal some meth money. You know. So exactly. so getting into a confrontation you don't need to get into is physical sometimes, and sometimes it's just at all. So in the grocery store, it's at all. In your yeah. home. It's the physical confrontation versus the get control of the situation, make sure your family's safe confrontation. So I do think they're different. I, you shoot I the guy too. in the back that's carrying the television out your front door, you're a scumbag as far as I'm concerned. You're not, you're not doing justice. You just murdered somebody over a television that you probably yeah. had insurance on. Or that you can go down to Walmart and pick one up. Yeah, it's what uh, it is. I get it. Yeah, uh, Clover, you want to come in? And, and, and Home defense versus out in public, in your eyes, is there – a difference in tactics, thought processes, or anything like that? Um, it's a, for me, and this, you know, again, you get into, you get into the personal situation. And when you talk home, right? Um, rural area, long time for law enforcement's going to get here. Yeah. Um, you're talking about long, windy, dark driveway, middle of the woods. If, if they're, it's it's some pretty nefarious stuff potentially going on. If they're if they're here yeah, at my if house, they make it to your house. It's they're not like they're. It's not like some meth heads that are robbing the block or something. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, you literally have to target me at that point, yeah. almost. You know what I mean? And so that's the way I feel. Mm -hmm. So mine's different. If there's bump in the night and you're in my freaking yard, you know. I'm light. I'm lighting you up. I mean, literally lighting you up with a flashlight. But you know, you turn, you the least bit aggressive and come toward me. It's it's over, because you have went out of your way to target my residence. You feel what I'm saying? I'm not another house side yeah. by side by side on a city block. And so depending how, on how do I know you're not there to kill me potentially because you're disgruntled for some reason or? whatever the case may be, right? Absolutely. And depending upon your state, that is your right to do that. Um, and that's the whole idea is everyone's going to be different. And we don't want, at least I don't, I don't want everyone to think the same. You're Once again, you're going to have to come up with your list of criteria. They're yeah. going to meet deadly force. Um, well, I've got to look at, you know, I've got to look at location. Um, we talk about deterrent all the time, right? When we talk about home. So you've got security lighting, right? Mm -hmm. For me, you've got the, the you know the, the difficulty of driveway being off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you've you've got fences, you've got locked doors, you've got the dog, you've got if somebody has come past each and every one of those, I can only make one other assumption, and that's you're not there to rob me. Because if it was that petty, you would have said, "Hey, this ain't worth it." No, I get it. Uh, real quick before we move on, uh, Crump out there, $5 for the troops. Appreciate you, brother. Um, like I said, we don't ask for super chats. We don't encourage them, but all super chats here go to sending uh, care packages to our troops downrange. So uh, thanks for that, John. Appreciate you very much, brother. Um, yeah, and like I said, that's that's one of those things where everyone's going to have to have that. And, and if you take nothing from this, uh, just one thing, the one thing I want you to take from this whole conversation is, is, 
I want everyone out there, whether they carry every day or they have a gun at home for self or home defense, whatever, if you're a firearm owner that's going to be using it for some kind of defense, I want you to start thinking, what if? And it's not being paranoid. It's 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 being prepared. But think about if this situation occurs, what would I want to do? If this situation occurs, what do I want to do? Practice it. You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, people talk about fire drills at the house. People talk about all tornado drills at the house. If you've got kids or anyone else in your in your home and say, look, if something happens, if someone enters the house from this point, here's what I need for you to do, whether it's honker down in your closet or if you're if you if you if they're trained and they 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 want to have that firearm available and they have it. You do this, but you should have a plan no matter where they enter your house, whether it's on whatever side of the house they enter on, you should have a plan here. We're trying to get to this point. This is our safe room. This is our panic room, or this is where I want you to be. And don't move until we give the safe word. All of those things, you should at least practice it as much as you do a fire drill or a tornado drill or whatever. You need to start going through the processes of different scenarios that happen. And people are going to say, well, that's just crazy. That's just people. No one's going to break into your house. How many times have you ever seen on TV where there's a bad thing happening? They say, I never thought it would happen in this neighborhood. I never thought it would happen here. Or or the guy that he was just all, he was the nicest guy and always quiet and yeah. kept to himself. And he ended up, you know, winning on a, on a murder spree the local Walmart or whatever. Yeah. So that's, that's the one thing that I want to get out there is start creating your list. Start thinking about what different scenarios would take. So Rob, I want to bring you in real quick and say, when you're giving your classes, especially maybe to people that are new to firearms or new to carrying, and I'm sure you talk about mindset as part of your class. What's some of the things that you want people to leave your class thinking about when it comes to, the mindset of carrying. Well, one of the important things that, that's missing from a lot of firearms training, the live fire stuff is information processing, right? That people have to be ready to use their gun the way that they drive their car, which is the last thing you're thinking about is your car, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're listening to the radio, you're talking to somebody, you're looking at the street signs, you're looking at that girl's butt, you know, whatever. Like you're not, you're not, you're not thinking about 10 and two, like the 16 year old that's driving for the first time with a person with a clipboard, right? You're not paying attention to the tachometer. When the, when the light turns red, you don't look down to see where the brake is. Like if a deer jumps out, in fact, your foot goes right to the brake. Your eyes are on the deer. And if your eyes are going to come off that deer, you're still not going to look at the brake. You're going to look for a place to swerve your car. You're going to look in the rearview mirror to see if somebody's coming up behind you. All those things, right? So if you're, stand, if you're just staring at your gun every time you want to reload, right? If you have to look down to get your gun out of your holster... Right. You're 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 not training in any realistic way because your eyes are going to be locked on that person like I need my gun. I got to get my gun out now. Now, that's not the I'm hiding behind the Doritos scenario and I'm going to put my hand on my gun. That's the I need my gun right now scenario. And that's what I try to remember uh, to remind people, like, remember, that's what we're training for. We're, we're training for the counter ambush. We're training for this scenario where you don't have the option of getting ready. You don't have the option of getting out the back door. You don't have the option of barricading your family in the bedroom because those are all the options you should take if you have them, right? So you're really, when you're doing the live fire training, you need to very quickly, if you're seriously only owning guns for defense, 
you need to get past all the, you know, El Presidente and on a qualification drills yeah. and all this, yeah. yeah, all this stuff. You need to get to, I just got startled. I need my gun. I need to get it out. I need to put a rapid volley of rounds into the high center chest, or I need to place a precise shot into the midbrain, base of the brain, or the top of the spine. And that decision-making process happens really fast based on recognition of exactly what you're talking about, which is this, this kind of mental imagery you've created, this visualization you've done of when would I need this? Right. So if you're if you're thinking like you're let's go back to your question. Right. Would you take the shot if you've got a gun in your hand and you're thinking about whether or not you need to shoot? You don't like that's the answer. Right. So I tell and I and any on the other. I tell people like we talk about using sights or not using sights. If you're driving your gun out and you're thinking about whether or not to use your stop asking the questions, just use your sights. If you have enough time to even put that into your brain of, oh, is this a sighted shot or not? Just close an eye and find that front sight because that defines the fact, you know, if you're again, if you're shooting the guy who's about to assassinate somebody in the back of the head, you're using your sight. That's what Jim, that's what Jim Cirillo was talking about when he was talking about counting the serrations on his front sight in the stakeout squad. Those were, you know, I'm not going to call them assassinations, but those were controlled shots that he was making out of the view of the guy who had one of the other undercover guys at gunpoint and he was taking the shot into the, into the side or back of the head. That's what he was doing. That was a precision sniper shot, albeit with a snub nose revolver, right? If, if you're in that kind of controlled environment and you're not a cop executing the law, then, then you got to really be careful. Why are you even taking this shot? If you're thinking about, should I shoot or not? The answer 99.99% of the time is no. So yeah. what we really need to think about is not, when should we shoot or shouldn't we shoot, but how should we be training to deal with the processing of information as we're doing the gun handling skills and as we're doing the shooting, as we're doing the recoil management, because the other part of the information we're processing is when to stop shooting, right? So when does that guy drop the knife? When does he turn to run? When does he fall to the ground? When does he surrender? When does he run out of ammo and he, and he, he drops his gun and says, ah, you know, you got me, right? You don't keep shooting. You know, so we got to be able to process the when do I stop shooting information, too. So, so I think the biggest mindset piece, you know, as you talked about, is A, you're carrying a gun for when you need it, not for these gray areas where maybe you need it, maybe you don't. The answer is you don't. You're carrying it for when you need it. And then in those moments where you really need it, you need to be running that gun in the background of your, your cognitive processing and learning to collect and process information. And I get that's not easy to do with the traditional training model on the range, but we've been doing it that way for a long time. And obviously my school is not the only one. There are good schools out there that teach that stuff. And then you got to think about the scenario and simulation training. You know, the, the guy who got killed up here by the cops 12 miles from where I'm sitting right now out here in Colorado, he got killed because he shot the good, the, he was the good guy, shot the bad guy, and then picked up the bad guy's gun. There's never a reason to pick up the bad guy's gun, but in almost every simulation or scenario day that I run, at least one or two people go to pick up the bad guy's gun, right? When I'll stop them as they're going towards it. In our scenario training, we pause, we pause, you know? What are you doing right now? I'm gonna get his gun or I'm gonna get his knife. Why? Why? Well, I don't want him to be able to hurt anybody. Well, he had the knife in his hand and you just shot him to the ground. So if he picks the knife up, you could shoot him again, right? Oh, I guess so. Okay, then get back over here in the corner and stay away from like that's a fundamental rule. Now, what's interesting is the people in those scenarios prior to going into those scenarios, 99.9% of the time have already learned conceptually 
that they're not supposed to go get the bad guy's gun or knife. Instinctively, yes, though, yeah. They get sucked into it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the tragedy here we had in, in just outside of Denver in Arvada is I don't know what this guy's training background. I've asked a lot of people around Denver. Nobody seems to know who the guy was prior to that day. So I don't know if he has any training or education or not. But the simple fact that he did completely the wrong thing does not necessarily mean that he was untrained. It might just mean that he was unpracticed. And that's why it's really important to really drive these things into your brain. What are you going to do during and especially what are you going to do after when it comes to interacting with law enforcement, interacting with other people, as you said earlier, the people that might now think you're the bad guy, these yeah. things are really, really important. The shooting is the easy part. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to, um, we talk about training, we talk about practice and all that. All that is, is repetitions. Okay. Mm-hmm. No one really knows how you're going to react until you're in that scenario. You can try to simulate all of the adrenaline rush, the shortness of breath, all of that in, in a training cycle. But you're really never going to know how you're going to react until you're literally in that scenario. But where the training and practice comes in is not necessarily the actual act. It's the process. If you continuously do it over and over and over again, there is a better chance that you're not going to make stupid mistakes because you've practiced that scenario over and over and over. Marine Corps, we would go do some stuff. Well, let's say we're gone for two weeks for a mission. We trained for three months for that two weeks. We did that thousands of times so that we went through every scenario that possibly could have gone wrong before we went and did what we did. So that's the whole thing. Is like that. Now, here's a question for you. Armin Axis, I'm going to bring Clover in first on this because I know he has uh, thoughts on this. Thoughts on safe rooms or panic rooms where you are secure and the bad guys can't get to you but steal all your stuff. So Clover... Your, I think I know what it is, but your thoughts on panic rooms? Panic rooms, yes. You've got one, correct? That's a personal thing. Okay, well, <laughs> you have a room designated to where you can try to get to if you need to, right? Whether um, or not it's a panic room or not. But. Yeah, a panic room could be panic room can easily be um, a closet with a deadbolt. Yeah on it yeah right and i think where people automatically go to panic room is the enclosed keypad bulletproof fireproof safe room, door, that, safe blah, blah, door. Blah, blah, yeah, yeah 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 but do you have a room or is there something in your house that everyone knows hey this is where we're going to try to get by the end of this ordeal correct yeah yeah so your forum no i hate them absolutely yeah, that's why i have exactly. them. yeah uh, Rob, safe rooms, yay, nay. Yeah. What are your thoughts on them? Absolutely. The more the merrier, right? Like exterior class doors, deadbolts, uh, the equipment that you need, old cell phones plugged in so they're charged. You can use them for 911. You also remember the old smartphones, you can put them on your Wi Fi, and that means you can see all these cameras because the cameras, the locks, the, uh, the alarm systems, all this stuff, that's to protect your stuff and your insurance and your your landscaping and the lighting outside and the neighborhood you choose to live in all of these things are to protect your stuff the gun's not to protect your stuff so i get that it's it's insulting but here's the like it's insulting to us that some guy is stealing our stuff or doing whatever but that's not what justifies lethal force so my thing is if you don't think about that now and you don't think about it kind of a lot and and talk about it and hear it and tell your family and say it out loud and tell your friends at the 
at the bar. Yeah, if somebody's stealing my stuff, man, I'm not, my gun's not for stuff. My family and I, we're going to barricade and they can have my stuff. I'll, I'll replace it. It's not worth taking a life over. My wife doesn't want brains on her couch. Like we'd have to move. My kids would be traumatized. My neighbors, I don't want to deal with the aftermath, social, civil, criminal. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay in my room, let them steal the refrigerator and let the guys call you names and tell you, you know, you aren't America. And no, oh, why are you going to let the criminals get away with criminalizing? That's just going to encourage them to criminalize somebody else. But have those conversations now because once you've gone through it, right, now yep. it's not emotion. And I think that's really important. Like one of the things I learned uh, with disaster preparedness many, many years ago, this idea of if you live in a floodplain, what you're told to do, and I've never lived in a floodplain, but what makes sense, right, is like you may be 100 feet from the river. And, and the river every few years is going to come up for 30 or 40 feet. Okay. Then every couple of hours going to come up 60 feet. And then once while you own that home, it may come up 90 feet, right? Or once while you own that home, it may come up 120 feet. And that means your house is flooded. You don't, if you don't want to be the guy on the roof getting rescued by the Coast Guard helicopter, then what you need to do is you need to have like, okay, there's a tree 50 feet from the river. When the water hits the tree, you're going to start thinking about, I might need to do some things. When the water hits the rock that's 70 feet from the river, you're going to make a hotel reservation and you're going to take all the stuff out of the basement or get all the valuable electronics up off the floor, your paperwork. You're going to put it up on the countertops. When, when it gets 80 feet, 85 feet from the river, you're going to put the stuff you really care about in your, in your car. And when it, when it, the water touches the back of your porch, you're going to get in your car and you're going to go to that hotel and, or the family member or whatever it is. Now, here's the problem. What happens? People say, well, it's been, it's been rising for three days and it's got to stop sometime. So they keep, they rationalize it may be touching the porch, but it's not inside and there's no way it's going to keep rising. And that's how they end up on the roof because they didn't have a set plan that didn't involve emotion. It didn't involve rationalization. They didn't get sucked into the complacency. They're just saying, Hey, it touched the porch. I'm out. And I'd rather lose the $400 in the hotel or two days. Or I have to deal with my friends at the bar telling me I was weak for running away from the flood. Oh, you're scared of water. I get it. But guess what? Also, I'm never going to be the guy on the roof if I follow that plan. That's right. You're going to live to fight another day. And that's ultimately what it comes down to is you're no good to your family if you're not around for whatever reason. You're not planning. You make very poor decisions under pressure. You've never gone through the thought process or thought about it. You make one single little bitty mistake and you can't be there to defend your family or your property because you've made a bad mistake for not being prepared. Um, is it legal anywhere to deter a non-deadly threat by brandishing it? Is it legal anywhere? I don't know the answer to that. It's, it's, hell, it's definitely not a damn good idea. But I don't know if it's legal. I would say probably not, but I don't know 100% that brandishing a non-deadly threat is never a good idea. That's just my opinion. Brandishing is not... I, I, don't think, I don't want to play Princess Bride, but I don't think that means what people think it means. Yeah, right? brandishing, brandishing is a nefarious thing. Right. And if you're doing it to as a deterrent, like let's take an easy example of me on my property. Right. Okay. You're trespassing. I don't know who you are. Okay. And I decide to unholster at my side or whatever that might be. I'm not going sure. to jail for that. I'm a, first of all, I'm on my property. I can do whatever I want to. Right. Sure. You can't, I mean, you can't shoot them. No. 
But having a firearm in that situation is not against the law. Right. If you, you, you legally, can use a firearm. Legally, yeah. But I think if you if you assault, there, there, you got to remember branching, assault, these are all... Like, Antagonizing, all these well, different but, words. But some of these are legal terms, and some of these are terms of common parlance, and that's what we need to stand in. So the question mm -hmm. is big, and I think that's you know your point, Clover, is that, that without... Do you, do you mean legally? Then it then what's the state law say about it? I think this is what what's important here is should you right should right. Well, yeah but if again back to your point like if I'm not going to shoot you why am I pulling my gun out if I don't feel like I'm I'm about to shoot if I'm not ready to point the gun at you in a high compressed ready position or drive the gun out and put bullets into you why would I ever take the gun out of the holster I might put my hand on the gun in the holster but unholstering unless i'm coming to my ready position is something i haven't I, like if i put it down by my side i haven't practiced swinging the gun up from my side well it could a be a situation time. here to where i've grabbed a shotgun with a shotgun and say hey can i help you that's totally different from hey i'm gonna you, you if you don't get off my property exactly when the guy's right. just walking down your driveway because it might be that guy with the Special I'm sorry, I was supposed to be next door. My bad. Well, <laughs> or, or you know, it has happened, broken down the vehicle or whatever sure. the case may be. But you yeah. know, you you're, you can tell those folks pretty easily. That's another another thing when you start talking about the situational awareness aspect of things is being able to read people at least a little bit. I can't read you when you're your icon and not like you with the yellow glasses and the hat. No, 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 no. Yeah. That's that's really him. Ah, whatever. You know, to the point, to the point, back to the, back to the panic room, because we, yeah, Rob, Rob started down a, a path and we didn't speci get specific with it. Yeah, but, go for it. You know, regardless of whether that's a closet or a bathroom or whatever you decide that is, you know, having a firearm in there, not a bad idea. Absolutely. Having food and water in there, not a bad idea. Um, obviously a way of communication, not a bad idea. Flashlight, uh, medical kit, medical kit. Of some yep. sort, medical kit. Yeah, we don't have here at my house a, a, a safe room, a panic room. We don't have an enclosed, secure location. Um, I have a spot that my wife knows when that happens. You get to that. Guess what's in there? Yeah, everything you just said. Yep. So you don't have to worry about going and getting something. It's there. Yeah, There's you don't even have to grab a go bag or There's, nothing, right? You have to grab nothing. It's get to that room. It's there, and we're okay get to that room and there's one way in and one way out of that room. Once my wife and I are in that room, anyone else that comes through that door is a threat because they shouldn't be there. Um, but yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. There, once again, this is a thought process. If you're going to do this stuff, then take it seriously enough to think about the different scenarios, the different variables. And the whole point is, is, for me, don't insert yourself into a situation if you don't have to. Sometimes about, it's okay to walk question. away. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of a scenario where a a non-deadly threat, I forget exactly how the thing was worded, but a non-deadly yeah, threat. Yeah, uh, well, let me see I, I here. Think, here's, I think the rule, like like the, the guidance, right, that I would give the student Non-deadly threat, yeah. Non-deadly if the threat wouldn't justify being shot. So you have a, what I would call a potential threat, right? So in other words, mm -hmm. somebody that's 30 feet away from me with a knife, right, is a potential threat. I don't need to shoot them. I might get my hand on my gun. I might even go to a ready position if they were, you know, for some odd reason from 30 feet away saying, hey, Pinkus, I'm going to stab you. 
like that doesn't happen, but let's just pretend for a second. Okay, so I'll go to the ready position maybe because now you have ability and you have sort of have the ability with the knife and you have the intent now. You don't have the opportunity because you're too far away and I got plenty of time to drive my gun out if you're 30 feet away. Now if the guy's three feet away, right, that's different. So, so what I would say is maybe the point of, to the point of the question, if the guy's 30 feet away, he's not a deadly threat existentially he's a potential deadly threat i could brandish let him know i have a gun maybe even point the gun at him in a ready position and that would be okay however if what you mean is a guy that's six inches shorter than you and you outweigh by 30 pounds who's bucking up against you because you cut him off in the walmart parking lot and he saw you walking in he said hey man i'm gonna kick your ass no i don't think you're justified in pointing a gun at that little guy what are you saying? Well, he's a little guy. <laughs> All right. Always the little guy. It's always, always the it's always a little guy. <laughs> yeah, little guy. Yeah. Or a woman, like an old lady on a walker. I'll be a misogynist. Like an old lady on a walker. I mean, go. I get it. She could be like a walker ninja, right? But, you know, but Ooh, like, if you there's don't a know physical that. disparity that you can't justify pulling a gun out, and I'm not saying the guy might be a ninjutsu guy. Yeah, I get it. Okay. He might have a knife. Well, okay, I get it. But until you see the knife or you find out he's a ninja, I don't think you can point the gun at the guy that you outweigh and you're taller than over a parking yeah. spot in Walmart. Yeah. Yep. I well, think that changes. I think all of that changes, though, too, in depending on the situation. Um, lighting situation, for example. I think a lot of that changes. I mean, you can't really tell what the guy's got necessarily. Are you about, like if you're in a dark parking lot or something like that, when we do about lighting that way? Yeah, I mean, what okay. depending on the clothes he's wearing, I mean, you don't know what he could be covering up. It also depends on how that particular person is acting. There's so many different things that go into it. Yeah, and then again, this is why you can't just carry a gun and think you've solved all the problems in the world. Like, you should right. have a flashlight. You should have unarmed skills. You should have this kind of, you know, ability to, to get yourself out of a situation, to de-escalate, to physically change your position, to I think you're, walk and chew gun at the same time. Yeah, all I think you're... I think your number one job is to do your best to not be in the situation to start with, whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, we talk about that all the time. Don't put yourself in a position. Don't insert yourself into a scenario that could lead to lethal force. If or, it don't all take, or don't take chances that yeah, are, if you are, know are unnecessary. That, yeah. If you know that there's a, a protest going on downtown that could right. potentially turn into a riot, don't go there. Stay home. Live to fight another day. Yep. So, or, so, or if you're driving through, take a different route, right? Yes. Take a different route, yeah. Self-defense rule number one is avoid conflict. Self-defense rule number two is de-escalate conflict when possible. Like, I mean, that 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 yeah. we all know and we preach it. I think that's what happens. We jump to the gun. Do you take the shot? When do I pull the gun? And again, a lot of it comes back to the way people ask the question. When can I or could I, mean should. as opposed to think about it as should I or do I need to, right? Yeah. And I always say, like, you'll know when you need to. So if you're still wondering if you should, the answer is probably that's, that's exactly That was exactly the point I was going to read to is if you have to ask if I should, the answer is probably no at that point. Um, I love that. Um, that needs to be a T-shirt. If you have to ask, the answer is no. I like that T-shirt, by the way. This, this is Argo J. Argo J shirt. Nice. There you Everybody's go. really. I'm. I'm horrible with, with like t-shirts. That's where other people's t-shirts. Yeah. 
Hey, you know, a good t-shirt person. Maybe, maybe. I, I used to have those protect what you love that I did yeah. with, uh, those were, those were good ones. We did those with a couple of different companies actually, but oh. Uh oh, Clover just said to hell with it. I'm out of here. I was going to leave after yeah, the no. top of the hour. We're getting ready to, uh, I don't know, maybe he's having issues, but I don't know. He didn't say that he had to leave, so it might be he pushed the wrong button or his internet went down. He's been having some serious storms lately, so, oh, there he is. And he's back. And he's back. Man, damn it, he's back. I'm glad he's back. I was going to have to leave you alone because I got I to gotta jump off. I was, tired of, I was tired of Rob just taking over the whole show here. Dude, you know, especially when I can't see you because horrible. if I see you, I, I get the cues, right? The body language. Oh, we, all know, we all know he hates the Second Amendment. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, he, I don't know why yeah. you let him in. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go I'm gonna go build a gun. <laughs> By yeah. the way, your question, I like the gray. The gray was cool. Right, I like that. That I it, like it looks good. Nobody, nobody does that. Puts the I did build a gun yesterday, one uh, polymerity, and I put a gray slide on it. Check out my Instagram at Pinkus Rob P I N C U S R O B. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Later. Babies. So yeah, it ultimately comes down to inserting yourself into situations. Practice it. You have that mentality of could versus should. Um. All the things we've been talking about for the last couple of hours is a great one. Let's have some fun, Chloe. you got a few minutes. So we ah. are going through our, our ghost tactical Twitter polls over there on Twitter. Put out a few questions. First question is going to come down to, of the choices, we're going to get four choices on Twitter. What is the best pistol caliber? Nine millimeter, 40 Smith, 45 ACP, or 10 millimeter. 60% of the people out there said nine millimeter. So 60% were wrong. That's what you're saying. With 30%, 40 Smith and Wesson. In third place was 10 millimeter. 45 ACP got zero votes. Wow. I would have never have guessed that. I would have guessed that 40 Smith would have, of those four choices, would have come in last. Yeah, I would have thought third, so If 45 ACP got I got to tell you, you know, I've been playing with some 1911s more lately mm -hmm. than I have. Um, and I'm really enjoying the 45 ACP. But zero votes but yeah but i yeah i can't believe it was zero votes yeah i did obviously i didn't vote for 45 acp i think everybody yeah. pretty much knows what i voted for but uh you're the 10 millimeter guy i know you are absolutely uh the second twitter polls what's the best z. weapon what's with a z z multiple z's twitter polls what is the best weapon system? The AR-15, a handgun, a bolt-slash-lever rifle, or a shotgun? AR-15 gets 50% of the vote. A handgun wouldn't distinguish between, between revolvers or semi-auto. is handgun, 37.5%. So let's say 38%. At 12% was the bolt-slash-lever rifle. And shotgun, zero votes. Wow. I would have thought because there's a lot of trap and ski. I mean, there's just a but shotgun got no votes. That that surprised me as well. Well, especially considering all the shockwave folks that are out there and uh, mm. all the mods for the Mossbergs and the Remingtons and the other things. Yeah, 
Yeah. Now we'll say I like that. I like his thought process here. The second initiate says, I don't mind 45 becoming unpopular or cheap. Right. <laughs> I hear you. What's up, Mike? Hey, how's it going? A outdoor journal. Budget. Yeah, budget. And guys, it's budget. What's up, budget? <laughs> Not much. How's it going, guys? It's all good. How about you, brother? I've been busy, busy, busy the last couple of days. Is that a good that's why thing? I didn't get in. That's why. Oh, yeah, it's a good thing. It's okay. just it's why I didn't get in here till now. Yeah. Well, have you, I don't know if you've been listening or anything. Uh, is there? I know you're making some comments out there. Is there anything that you want to kind of bring up and discuss real quick? Well, what what got me to hurriedly try to get my ass on here was that when you guys are talking about, you know, the first rule of self defense is avoid situations where you might have to. Mm-hmm. You know, my neighbor was a very well the guy that owns the house next door anyhow was a very good example of that you know he had his uh daughter living there next door to us and daughter was in jail because they were kind of pieces of crap her and her boyfriend and uh her boyfriend wasn't allowed to be there but uh the owner drove past (laughs) found out that he was there Came, went home, got his gun, came back, went into the house. A confrontation ensued. Yeah. The boyfriend ended up getting shot and killed, and the owner was on trial for murder. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up getting away with it. I mean, being found not guilty. Um, small town. He had a really damn good lawyer. That's all I could say. But, uh, you know, he still had to go through all that crap because really what he should have done, nine, one, one, mm-hmm. instead of try- going back in the house and becoming involved in an altercation and going through a, a possibly life-changing yep. criminal trial. Once again, it comes back to he inserted himself into a situation that he probably didn't need to be in. Like I said, you know, in the comments, I'm not a cop. It ain't my job. It's not my job to keep somebody from stealing shit. It's not my job to keep somebody from stealing my stuff. It is not my job. All that stuff's on the on the on the cops. Trying to hurt me or my family, totally different story. God help you. Take every damn thing in my house. I don't care. I'll sit here and just call the cops and wait for them to come get you. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I don't have five hundred thousand dollars to defend myself in court. Um, nor do you want to put your fate into someone else's hands when you nope. could have made the mental decision to eliminate that whole ordeal. Um, Absolutely correct. That's just that's the whole point. That's the whole point of this is the process. What is your process to figure out for you personally out there? Is it worth to take that shot? Only you can tell you what yours are. We're just trying to give you what our perspectives are, especially if you're new. Maybe you, if you've never thought about some of these, it sounds cool that, hey, if I can, if, if I can end a threat from someone doing something bad, I'm a hero. Hero still gets you next to Bubba in prison. Correct. Sometimes heroes go still go to jail. Um, it is what it is. Um, it is what it is. Um, Pinkus is out there. Pinkus. So uh, 
Clover, did you happen to see his Instagram this weekend? He busted out another little scooter that uh, here comes Pinkus happened in his really? name. Do the jitterbug. Do the jitterbug, yeah. Here comes Pinkus. He's one tough customer. Ah, best time ever. That was hilarious. That was a great time. Indianapolis, Indianapolis wasn't it? Yeah, yep. Indianapolis, yeah. Yep. All right. So once again, the second weapon weapon system, 50% say the AR-15, 37% say handgun, 13% say bolt lever action rifle. Once again, zero votes for a shotgun. These are the Twitter polls over there, budget. We asked a few questions. The first one was best pistol caliber. 60% say nine millimeter. 30% say this uh, 40 Smith, 10% say nine, uh, 10 millimeter, zero votes for 45 ACP. What say you? Zero votes for 45. Is it more? Well, first let, me, off, let me ask you this. Is it is it more disturbing that 45 ACP got zero votes or is it more disturbing that 40 Smith came in second? I'm not caliberist, so... Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. It so I gotta wonder. Me. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I gotta wonder at what time you posted this poll because if it was after about four in the evening, everybody <laughs> that would have voted 45 ACP probably had already went to bed. It was 11 hours ago. <laughs> I would say there's a there's another answer that should have been on the poll. Okay, I only get four of them. So yeah, what is uh, it? The best answer is whenever you can shoot accurately. Oh, that's 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 a great one. But these are just kind of have fun to start yeah. discussions. The third one, the last one we're going to talk about is I'm a little I don't understand it. What's the best band of the 80s? There are four choices. U2, Guns N' Roses. Did he freeze? Uh, am I still here? Yeah, you are now. I heard you two and Guns it looked, and Roses. It looked like it. you were thinking really, really hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the four choices are you two, Guns N' Roses, Van Halen, and Metallica. Those are the four choices that I gave people. Metallica. Metallica and Van Halen are at forty percent. Guns wow. and Roses at twenty, and you two got zero votes. But yeah, Van Halen tied Metallica. Uh, if, uh, if there was going to be a tie, I would have guessed Metallica and Guns N' Roses, possibly. You know, but yeah, how about I, that? I, I got third, like on every one of those. What's up with that? What's up? I said my choice was the third choice or whatever yeah. on every single one of those because I voted GNR on that. Um, um, GNR nine Metallica, Metallica just really didn't. I mean, I get it as far as like a cult style following. Yeah. Uh, but man, it was really very late eighties, early nineties when they came in. It was the black album and stuff is when they really yeah. came into things. Um, yeah. As far as mainstream, uh, what do you want to hear that or not folks? Because I like Metallica too. Uh, Van no, that's Halen when they came into mainstream. For Van sure. Halen with the split and with everything else that was going on, it just really damaged them as far as an arena style, stadium style rock band. And mm -hmm. GNR packed the seats from day one in the eighties. So for me, I love Metallica, 
but I became a Metallica aware in like 1990, 1991. Like you said, when the Black Album came, right. I went back and started listening to old Metallica at that point. I right. didn't listen to Metallica back then. Posers! Um, well, I get it. I get it. Oh, uh, I did. I've been a Metallica Master, fan since the Kill of Old days, but then I'm a little yeah. bit older. You guys. Master of Puppets and Justice for All, like great, great albums. albums, great albums. But I didn't listen to them when they came out. I listened to them once I found Inner Sandman and wherever they may roam, wherever I may roam, and you no know saying. But but that's what introduced me to Metallica. Said, oh, that's not bad. And I hear a couple of songs of the Black Album, and then I said, Ooh, I want to go back and, and listen to. And I love those now. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't listen to when they came out. Van I've been listening to them since I was like ten. Now. Yeah. Now, when we think about when you, it's it's sad, YouTube didn't get any. Uh, but no. when you think about international, oh, it's, it's, it's got to be YouTube. It's got to be YouTube at that point, right? Yeah. Um, for me, Van Halen is David Lee Roth. I cannot stand Sandy Hagar. So I was not a Van Hagar fan. Um, they had a couple good songs. I was not. I was not saying I'm a David Lee Roth fan when it comes to Van Halen. Um, I, I, just, I love David Lee Roth. I like. I like the. I like David Lee Roth, but mm-hmm. I just prefer. I prefer the sound of Van Hagar. See, and I get, and, and I'm the absolute opposite. I sound. I'm not saying that Sammy Hagar is a bad singer. I just saying I liked. I liked the Van Halen with David it, Lee. For me, it's not the singer. It's really no, I not. It's I not that it's not that it's Sammy because I liked Sammy before he was was with Van Halen. I, did. I I'm not a big fan um, of Sammy. So, but it's not that. It's their sound changed. Mm-hmm. And Robert I like the sound. It did, it did I like the, like the sound. I like that sound better. There was less. You know, synth, there was less synthesizer. Eddie played differently. It was just it, it, the sound. I'll give you the less synthesizer, but what I would also say is that Hager's influence was more mainstream. He tried to take them to mainstream. Oh yeah, I don't think yeah. David Lee Roth gave a shit about mainstream no. back in the early eighties. They didn't care about mainstream. It was Van Halen, right. Motley Crue. Hey, we're L.A. That's who we are. We're L.A. You know. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and, and then. Um, Guns N' Roses is one of my all-time favorite bands to this day. Yeah. To this day, Appetite for Destruction is not only one of the best, how do I put this, first albums or introduction albums or debut albums ever. It's to this day one of the best just rock and roll albums of all time. It was a good album. Great oh, album. Use your illusions was out of this world. The Unbelievable. Two Unbelievable. Cover to cover to cover See, to cover. I like Guns N' Roses, but to me, they're just merely okay. They're pretty good. They're not yeah. like, oh my God, I got to hear them. No. Metallica song comes on, that radio gets, gets turned up every you single know, time. You, you, you mentioned Wherever I May Roam, and I, I had forgot about. Where Rabbi Rome until it came on the radio the other the other day. Yeah, um, I love the like, intro to wherever I'm, I'm like, at. That's for me awesome. awesome. I'm like, that's an awesome yeah. song, and I knew every word, I sang along with it, all that. Nothing, but I was like, man, I forgot how good that song actually is. ZZ Top, great band, especially if you're a Texas guy. You don't say ZZ Top. 
I'll tell you a band that I love. Musically, they are incredible, but I, I, I think that people that like them love them, but I don't think that they, over time, the 70s and early 80s, mid-80s, I don't think they got the respect musically that they should have, but I'm a huge fan of Dire Straits. I hear a Dire Straits song, and I my I mean because you don't hear very. But Dire Straits is a great band, but I don't think that it's a band that a lot of people go to. You know, uh, Brothers in Arms is one of the most beautiful songs you're ever going to hear. Um, if you ever get a chance to listen to Brothers in Arms, but there are so many great songs. Um, Sultans of Swing, always. I mean, there's just so many great songs, but I Dire Straits was not as big as I think they should have been, honestly. ZZ Top, um, great band. I think they were probably in Texas. They're a huge band, but nationally, they had about two or three songs. You know, uh, Dire Straits. Yeah, kind of hit a stride. I this is my opinion on it. When they hit their stride, they did not have the show <clears throat> of it like a lot of the other bands had. The bands right. had the show, right? They had mu- the music too, but then they had the show. And I think Dire Straits musically outperform them but i think the show aspect of it uh it's what it's what got dire straits you'll also remember when they hit big they, they were around in the 70s but when they started getting big is when ntv uh-huh. and you had to have that certain look um, look oh. and you had to be the police or you had to be you know you too or you had to be duran duran you had to have that bubble gum to get the video out and all of that duran duran is another one yeah. i'm a big duran duran fan um early duran duran i really liked them but they were a different style of music you know go ahead go ahead mike i won't hold that against you that's okay everyone knows that one some, of my that's some good songs they had some, but what do I do? People know that one of my favorite bands of all time is the Smiths. Most people don't even know who the Smiths are. They've never heard of them. Exactly. Um, the Smiths started the new wave genre. There was no new wave before the Smiths. Um, you've ever heard of Morrissey? I don't know if you've ever heard of Morrissey as a singer. He was the lead singer of the Smiths. They were around for about four or five years in the 80s. Um, just YouTube the Smiths if you want. If you like new wave you know, music. They started that genre back in the early '80s, but that I, I was Smiths. But most people even never heard of the Smiths. But if you go ask bands that were back in the '80s, who the most influential band was, there's a lot of people in, in Britain, especially, hey. will say that aside from the Beatles, the Smiths are the most influential band ever in Britain. So, if you want to talk about bands in America in the '80s, yeah. yeah. Um, not and, American bands, but bands in America. Sure. In, yeah. It, well, yeah. this would be an American band. Because U2 is not an American band, but they were. As far as packing stadiums, concerts, tours, you name it, that literally in a niche that was not the most popular at the time, freaking yeah. Alabama, dude. Alabama, I've seen yeah. them many times. Alabama crushed it in the 80s as far they as the did. band. I mean, Even they into crushed the 90s. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, the last time I saw Alabama was about 92, 93, maybe. Summer of 93, I believe. And they were still pulling 20,000 people. Oh, yeah. Easy. Easy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's a Motley Crue. I was never a Motley Crue fan. <laughs> yeah, I Motley Crue was always, man. Yeah, yeah. I like some songs, 
Yeah. But I was never, I was like, I would never if say, hey, I got tickets to Molly Crew. You want to go? I'm like, there was eh. always, I would tell there you, there was always drama with the crew. Always. Sure. And they liked it that way, though. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, a 1980s, 70s, and 80s band that consistently crushed it still sells tons of albums. Mm-hmm. And it sold, yeah, I mean, they were like just behind Michael Jackson in sales. Had one hell of a stage show. Entertaining as all get out. And someone already mentioned it in the comments. ACDC. I was oh, never a, I was never a tremendous fan, but I do they had the formula that people just loved. Yep. You know, three um, chords and some growling yep. and so, Angus so, Young moving constantly. I mean, so, it was it was great. So Bon Scott or Brian Johnson? I think most Ooh. people. I think most right. people would think. Well, I'll put it this way: people that are not ACDC fans, like myself, as far as like the fanboys, when I think ACDC, it's the songs that Brian Johnson made famous. Right. Um, that's me. I don't. I honestly can't tell a difference on some of them. Yes, that's what I was fixed to say. Brian Johnson did Bon Scott well. Yeah, I, I think well, he really yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, he did. And I would agree. I've been a huge, you know, since the first album. I mean, I, you know, either way. Um, but I would be, yeah, I, I would, I prefer Brian Johnson. Now, would I prefer Brian Johnson if Bon Scott had still been around doing his own thing or what? I don't know, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one because Highway to Hell was one hell of a great <laughs> album. I mean, yeah. that was. That was a that is a rock classic, mm-hmm. but then they followed it up with Back in Black, which was just as good, maybe better in some people's eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt about. It. Like I said, for me, I, I I like ACDC, but I was never an ACDC guy growing up. Okay, um, and for me, I couldn't tell the difference. To be honest with you, at first, I can now because I've I've listened to them a lot. But I like both of them. But when I first started listening to ACDC, it was because of the Back in Black. Yeah. Album. Yeah. yeah. And then I went, then I went back and found Highway to Hell. And, oh man, that's a really good album too. But yeah. I heard Back in Black in that album, and that's what drew me too. So I guess the Bright Johnson is what drew me, I guess, to ACDC. But like you said, they sound very much alike. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, I'll tell you some bands out there just having fun with this that the 70s and early 80s um, that people forget about. Oh, he's thinking hard. Thinking again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to say the Eagles. People forget about how good they were in their time. Yep. Fleetwood yep. Mac. Fleetwood Mac yeah. was incredible. And Chicago were incredible. I'm talking yeah. the Peter Cetera years of Chicago. Right. Now, with the Eagles, they switched up and changed so much over the years. Well, you know what I mean. There was such a there was such a roster change, whatever you want to call it, with the Eagles that happened. And, over and their, over their once Peter Cetera left Chicago, the same thing happened. Yeah. Where Chicago never stopped touring, but so you, you know, you remember when the Eagles sued Fogarty, right? Oh, oh yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, he cut a solo album, and they were like, "Oh, it sounds too much like our music." And it's like, "Well, no crap." That's your. You're talking about 
Well, you're talking <laughs> about not Fogarty. You're talking, are you talking CCW or CCR? No, I'm talking about, I'm talking, no, not Fogarty. Um, Glenn Fry, or are you talking about Henley? Henley, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Henley. Yeah, yeah. Now CCR is another great band, by the way. He brought CCR up. Another great band. Um, so CCR, I seen CCR. And Fogarty was not, is not at the time was not the lead singer anymore. They may be back I together. He and his brother, I don't even yeah. know he and his brother talked forever. I don't I yeah. think yeah. So yeah, he he split off and he was at the time. But I'm telling you, the the lead singer they got he was a younger yeah. guy and he was a dead ringer vocally. Uh, it was a dead ringer for, for Fogarty. You would not tell if you close your eyes at that concert, you you would yeah. think you were listening to Fogarty. I'll tell you a, a one. Um, I, I love um, Steve Perry. I oh, love yeah. Journey. I love Journey. But the the dude that they got, when when Perry lost his voice and could sing it for a while and, and had to leave the band, they got a guy from the Philippines. Have you ever heard this guy sing? I'm not saying he sounds like Stephen Perry, but this dude is flat out an amazing singer. And, and if you ever get a chance to, it's really it is amazing uh, to listen to that. He's really good, and he learned. He didn't know English. Well, he didn't at the time. He didn't know English. He could sing Journey songs, but couldn't speak English. In the speak. Yeah, that's weird. He found him through a YouTube video and said, "My God, that guy's incredible." That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I was a big, uh, still am a big Fleetwood Mac fan. Um, always that was a train wreck of a band. Whew. Well, it, it, the power left, and who was sleeping with Stevie Nicks? That's who had the power in the band, you know. Right. Um, and it is what it is. But musically, how they how they could still put out great music when they seemingly hated because I want to see that. Um, McVie and his, the, the two McVies they got a divorce and then she started dating Bucky Lindsingham or Lindsay Buckingham, whatever. Right. Uh, Lindsay Buckingham. Buckingham. Yeah. So, one of those things where there was divorces, breakups, and they were all switching partners and they were still <laughs> able to put out amazing music, which is yeah. incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Rich White is the guy to replace uh, Lane Staley and Allison Chains. Yes, he is. Um, yeah. I, I was. So Allison Change was like my fourth favorite Seattle band. I think I I appreciated Allison Change later on after the grunge thing left. Went back and listened to a lot more Allison Change and said, "Man, they are really really good." But at the time I was Pearl Jam, uh yeah. Garden, Nirvana and Allison Change just happened to be a Seattle band, but yep. they were amazing. They really were. Yeah. Really were. Arnell Pinata, Pinata, is that his name? Okay, that must be the guy that's uh, doing um, Journey. Now, Mark Martell, Sarge says, is the reincarnation of Freddie Mercury. I don't know about that. I tell you what, and, and there's going to be a lot of hate out there. I'm not saying he's replaced Freddie Mercury. I enjoy Adam Lambert as the lead singer of queen, because he can hit all the notes that Freddie Mercury could. He doesn't sound like Freddie Mercury, but Adam Lambert is a really talented singer, really talented. Yeah. You want to talk about talented singers from yeah. bands that were kind of underrated. 
Yeah. Uh, even a Seattle band, uh, though it's not the grunge genre, was Jeff Tate from Queensryche. That oh, guy yeah. had the yeah. most yeah. tremendous yeah. range ever. If you want to hear one of truly one of the most beautiful songs ever, go look up Silent Lucidity oh, no and doubt. just say thank you. Thank yeah, you no for yeah, making no that doubt. song. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. That one song is truly a just a beautiful song. But that song does not even touch Jeff Tate's range. Listen to the entire oh, yeah. Operation Mindcrime album. It's a concept album. Tells a story from each song. Tells a different part of the story from beginning to end. Awesome. Yeah. Now, Sard says you obviously haven't heard Mark Martell. I have not. I will go find out. Yeah, and I'm not saying that Adam Lambert's better. I don't even know who this guy is. I'm saying I have I enjoy, I have enjoyed Adam Lambert singing with Queens. I like Adam Lambert's voice, but Mark Martell, this guy could be awesome. I mean, like I said, I have no idea, but I'll, I'll look him up. But um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of great bands that have gone through um, lineup changes uh, that have gone through hell, and I think that's kind of the cool things about. U2. People real don't realize that U2 didn't start in 1986 when the Joshua Tree came out. They came out in 79. They were a punk band from Ireland. Um, but they, they, people think that they started in 86 when Joshua Tree came out. Um, Joshua Tree, in my opinion, is one of, is a top 10 album of all time. I'm a U2 fan. There's not a bad song on that album. It, it, it was a phenomenal album. Um been to YouTube concerts, um, love them. They have not changed their lineup since day one. Haven't changed it since 1979. Haven't changed it. Now, someone brought up Aerosmith. I am not a big Aerosmith fan. Great and show, though. God, they put on a great Steven, show. I, I, they, and, and I'm sure Steven Tyler might be a great. His voice drives me fucking bonkers. He I'm does my wife, too. It does my wife too. I, I like it because it's unique. But yeah, no, no. Dream on is about I, the only song that I can really listen to so, because it's not like the screaming weird voice, you know. Yeah, he's <laughs> he he's an acquired taste. Yeah, because he's one of those people that outside of Aerosmith, oh my god, like his country album he put out and some of this other stuff. It's like outside the confines of Aerosmith, the dude yeah. can't sing. He's horrible. He's horrible. Yeah. Uh, there's a YouTube video with uh him and somebody on like america's got talent or the idol or american idol or something yeah, he was like a judge on one of them and and where he's playing the piano and he's singing dream on and on yeah. stage and it's like you know acoustic with the piano and it is it's it's wretched it's like fingernails on a chalkboard and you're like oh my god and you go put on some aerosmith and you're like okay cool rock out you know go play the 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 studio version of dream on um yeah, there's also young. there's also a youtube video of a street performer that is playing and he's the street performer's crushing it and i forgot what yeah. he's playing but i'm pretty sure he's playing dream on and uh steven tyler happens to be there and somebody's cell phone films it and steven tyler walks up and sings with him and the street performer has got a better voice than Steven Tyler. It's like at that yeah. point you're like, it's the persona. It's yeah. within the confines of the band. It's it's it all the things. True. All the things come to bed. Aerosmith is not Aerosmith without Steven Tyler. No but doubt. it's the combination of it. It's like a recipe, right? It's like, yeah. well, I don't like the eggs and the flour and the milk 
necessarily by themselves, but you put it all together with some chocolate and it works, right? That's right. When I was yeah. young, I hated them. I, I, I'm not a big fan I of them. Despised, I, guess I, I despised Aerosmith. As I've gotten older, I, I can appreciate it a little bit more, particularly Dream On. If you, it, you know, when, when you get Dream into the lyrics better. of it and it's like, yeah, okay, I, I, I kind of relate to this <laughs> now. But yeah. yeah, no, I've. They, they were a lot of, uh, they were kind of a chick band. They were, it, it was yeah. really almost, almost REO Speedwagon in a hairband type, more rocking situation or something. But when you got down, talking about some of their later stuff, right? Um, I think like, the best uh, album was the one with crying and amazing and all was all the, the Alicia Silverstone videos in the early nineties. That was then to me their best album. That's the best they ever sounded in my eyes. Yeah, I love Dream On. It was, it was early seventies. Permanent stuff. Vacation. Permanent Vacation was, um, was possibly their first big one when they really, when they really came on. Uh, was it Toys in the Attic? I think maybe was the one Dream On was was on, uh, and then uh, the one you're talking about with crying and all them. I can't remember yeah. that. If you guys yeah, like talking stuff like this and 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 whatnot, there's a channel you guys got to start watching. It's called Professor of Rock. That dude does a deep dive into all of this stuff, and he even gets the artists on his channel and talking with them. And whatnot. oh wow, yes. kind of like VH1 yeah. used to be. I yeah. used to love yes. VH1 yes. Behind, yes. The, behind the music. Called, stuff. Oh yeah, it's called Professor of Rock. I found it recently, and I I subbed to him and, and been listening to it and watching it because watch that for sure. Freaking awesome! Nice. Buck says Meatloaf can't stand Meatloaf. I can respect the voice. That dude's just weird, though, bro. I just yeah, dude had a voice. That that's what I give him. Great voice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Ozzy, so meh, eh? unique, unique. Yeah, yeah I, I like. I some have stars, never been, never been. Super I would never. He sound like he's crying with everything he does. He's, I, 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 I that's judge, Ozzy. Yeah, I judge him. What would I pay? To go see him in concert, I would not pay to go see Ozzy in concert. No. Well, I never had the I never had the luxury or the option with Black Sabbath, but man, I, I listened Black to War Sabbath Pigs. I listened to, I listened to War Pigs yeah. just the other day. I listened to War Pigs, and I was oh like, oh, oh, oh yeah. it's, it's wonderful. When, when you're talking Ozzy Osbourne versus Black Sabbath with Ozzy Osbourne, those are two completely different animals. They're yeah. they're, they're yeah. Different species. I mean, it, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Black and Sabbath with Ozzy, yes. And it makes a difference if Ozzy has Zach Wilde with him as well. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, no doubt. Um, yeah, ironically, my favorite Ozzy song is the one with Lita Ford. Um, oh, Close My Eyes Forever. Like, oh, eyes forever. Oh, that's on like my permanent yeah, play. Yeah, that's maybe actually because, a Lita Ford song. I really, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Is. That's my favorite because I, I, I had a big crush on Lita Ford back then. <laughs> and Lita is, uh, oh, man, kiss me, kiss me Deadly. Ooh, kiss oh. Me Deadly, yeah. But yeah, Lita's that's so my good. favorite Ozzy song, and it wasn't even his song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did yeah. a uh, – 
Hey, who was it? Jessica Simpson. He did a duet with Jessica Simpson, some Christmas oh, song. Oh, that's gotta be terrible. Um, it's it's pretty horrible, but it's pretty it's pretty interesting because they build a snowman instead of taking the carrot and putting it on his nose. Ozzy puts it somewhere else in the video. It's pretty. Sure. Cool. It's like, yep, yep. Ozzy would do that. <laughs> Led Zeppelin, yay nay. Me. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love Led Zeppelin. Me, the problem. Yeah with Led Zeppelin is realizing that they're not unique artists. <laughs> Do you know why Led Zeppelin was created? Do you know why Robert Plant was chosen to be the lead singer of Led Zeppelin? This is a true story. So Robert Plant was Jimmy Page's answer to Roger Daltrey of The Who. Ah. Jimmy Page was starting a band. He said, I need a Roger. Dal I need a blonde hair with a big voice young guy that can just flat out rock and Robert Plant was that guy but he got the idea of watching the who and said I need a Roger Daltrey now yeah. the who I love the who I will take the who over Zeppelin I know that might be sacrilege no. I will take the who over Led Zeppelin not saying that I'd hate Led Zeppelin but the who the band that came out that time everyone knows that Pink Floyd is beside the Beatles is my favorite band of all time I would take Roger Waters. I don't know if I have to take Roger Waters or not. I must not a big Roger Waters fan. But I would definitely take Pink Floyd over Zeppelin. I would take The Who over Zeppelin. Do I think that Zeppelin had some better songs? Like ultimately, no one's going to argue. Whole lot of love, Stairway to Heaven. Uh, there's there's five or six songs, but arguably all built off of something else. Is the problem? That's correct. That's correct. So as yeah. long as for me, as long as I acknowledge that they're not originalists, yep. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Yeah, sure. I, I rock some Zeppelin. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's going to not rock Zeppelin. You you hear a couple of songs that you know. Oh damn! There comes Robert Plant. You know, um, who's a better band than Zeppelin? Beatles, Rolling Stones, Pink yep. Floyd. I would take any of those three over Zeppelin. Not saying that Zeppelin's bad. I was just, Zeppelin's not my thing. I'm not a big Stones fan. I yeah. like some songs from the Stones. It sounds crazy, but I don't like the sound of the Stones. I'm maybe, not a big fan. Mick Jagger's voice. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, I'm not a big Beatles fan. They they were around for so yeah. long that their sound yeah. just changed and morphed so many different ways and different times, no. which was no, awesome about the Beatles. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. But I think that that such wild swings back and forth with their sound, I think maybe is what kind of throws them out of the run. Not that they're not a, a fabulous band and definitely top ten of all time. I totally get all of that. Uh, but for change me, music more probably the Beatles is what yeah. changed music more than anything. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think it. so. Yeah. You know, I get it. Uh, and, and, and I think it's one of those things where I think most people are in that either you're a Beatles or a Stones fan. You appreciate the other. It's kind of like the Nirvana Pearl Jam back in the 90s. Everyone chose which one they liked better. Not that they hated the other one. They respected the other one. But if I had to choose, it was definitely a divide. Beatles, Beatles and Stones, Pearl Jam, Nirvana are very, very similar. They came out at the same time from the same area. 
you had to choose one, you pick one, but we still like the other one, you know? Right. Uh, actually, the Beatles were together for a lot longer than 10 years. They just were famous for about seven years, eight years. But they were a band back in the 50s over in Germany. They were huge in Germany, Hamburg, Germany, and all that. So they were together for well over 10 years. They just weren't world famous for about seven or eight of them. Uh, C4, sorry, out there. It says Pearl Jam over Nirvana. So when they first came out, when they, when they first came out, I'd say a colonoscopy say, is better than Nirvana. Oh, you shut your mouth. Uh, <laughs> when they first came out, I definitely chose Pearl Jam over Nirvana. I love the sound. That, to this day, I still love Eddie Vedder's voice. Um, I thought they were a cleaner band, a crisper. They, they were more, they sounded as a band better. I love Eddie Vedder's voice. But there was also the same time as like, damn, like this dude doesn't give a shit how he sounds like Kurt Cobain didn't give a shit. It was him, a bassist and a drummer, and he did not give a damn what they sounded like. And there was something about that where I became a very big Kurt Cobain and, and, and Nirvana fan. But when they first came out, what, 90. Thinking again. Definitely Pearl Jam. What? Am I? You were thinking again. I don't know. So better songs lyrically, Pearl Jam or Nirvana? Lyrically, lyrically, I'd say Nirvana. I would think so too. Nirvana stuff. Musically, I would say Pearl Jam. If you can, here's the catch with Nirvana: if you can understand the lyrics. I mean, if you go read them, obviously. (laughs) But yeah, once you understand what the lyrics are, because a lot of people sing along and they don't really know the lyrics. No. I don't think he knew the lyrics, to be honest with you. Um, I would say... Oh, the Weird Al uh, of uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit is beautiful. Yep. Um, Now, Sarge, one of the greatest songs of all time is Yellow Leadbetter. One of the greatest Mm -hmm. alternative grunge songs ever. Probably the best. Yellow Leadbetter is a Pearl Jam song that was supposed to be on their first album called Ten. It didn't make the cut because they didn't want it to be any longer. They didn't of all the album, the songs that made the album, it didn't make the cuts. So they released it as a single and it became one of the best songs ever of the nineties. Yellow led better. Once again, though, there were a lot of lyrics of Pearl Jam that you can't understand what Eddie Vedder's saying either. It wasn't right. just Kurt Cobain. <laughs> that was if a you to, if you try to go listen to the lyrics of Yellow Lead Better, you'd be like, "What the fuck is he saying?" Right. It's a great song. Right. Well, man, here's a question. Talking. Yeah. Best singer of the eighties. Uh, best vocalist. Just, We're just, on bands. We're on bands, not, man. Don't do that. Who's the best vocalist? Vocalist. George, most George singer. Michael. George Michael was the best vocalist of the eighties. I disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly. Yeah, who do you think? Sebastian Bach. Sebastian Bach can sing. And I'll give that. Love Skid Row. man, his range is his incredible. Range Beats great. George Michael to piss. Um, I think George Michael has one of the prettiest voices ever. Yeah. He is George up there Michael's with. Good. He was up there with Chris Cornell but with Jim Morrison Sebastian as far as beautiful voices. Now I'll say that Sebastian Bach had more range and all that but you're talking about the sound and beauty of the voice i'll say this go listen when you get a chance go listen to george michael doing live 
It's an old Elton John song called uh, "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard it like a million times. Yeah, yeah, and tell me that the vocal side of George Michael in that song—that is a gorgeous, gorgeous vocal. To Skid Row's "In a Dark." No, no, I, I I love Skid Row, and I'm not arguing that that um, the Sebastian Bach doesn't have like a great range. I just love listening to George Michael's voice, like the sound think, of it. Beauty I think of Skid it. Row. I think Skid Row could have been better. I think Skid Row. He could have. Skid Row suffered in the writing department. I think. Yes. Well, and they were a little late to the hair. They they were a little. They they came That's in. True. That's true. A little bit late, I think. If they yeah, had been, if they had hit two years prior, it could have been whatever. But I think they came in towards the end of it, and yeah. that probably hurt the timing. Plus, their management kind of screwed them in that their management really controlled every aspect of what they did, and yeah. they had no say whatsoever in any of it. Yeah, Freddy, no, right. Freddie freaking Mercury, Freddy, baby. Freddie Mercury. Yeah, Freddie, Freddie, <laughs> Is a I, I know he, was a contender. I, I still and this is gonna be one of those Freddy things God. I know it's not true, but I know that he's they were in the 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s. I still when I think of Queen, I think 70s band. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I know it's not, but I, I just think when I when I think Queen, I think 70s. Yeah, I'll say like like David Bowie. David Bowie's weird as shit. David Bowie oh, had a yeah. great voice, though. You know, a great voice. Um you know, they're to out me, there David Bowie's the 70s. He is, absolutely, but he was still relevant in the 80s and all of that. Um, Joan Jett, yeah, Joan Jett was a great oh, voice. Yeah. Chris Cornell was in the 80s. Chris Cornell, if, if you know anything about me, Chris Cornell is my favorite singer vocalist of all time. I think he has the greatest male voice ever. Uh, I, I could listen to Chris Cornell all day, every day. Um What's her name? Um, oh gosh, um, Chrissy. Uh, uh. See, he's definitely thinking. Look at that pose. Is he? What? You don't hear me? <laughs> no, we heard Dude, Chrissy. You, That's your it. video. Your video keeps freezing. I think when I do another tab, probably it's when it does that. And, and, and I was, you were caught there, like <laughs> it probably does it when I go to a different tab. Uh, was it Chrissy Hines, whatever her name is from the Pretenders? I like her voice, you know. Uh, I, I take her voice over Joan Jett's. Uh, Chrissy Hind, yeah. Um, I, I would take her voice over Joan Jett. That's just me, though. BGs can just freaking rock it out. Love Joan Jett as a as a performer and as a oh, songwriter. You put Chrissy Hines singing Joan Jett songs, you got a perfect one right there. I think oh, well, could be. You know, um, let's see here. Bee Gees, I'm, I'm, I am yeah. the Bee Gees are one of my guilty pleasures. Love the Bee Gees. Yeah, yeah. not gonna yeah. lie. Yeah, yeah. I can't no. go. I can't do ABBA. Sorry, not this guy. Um, can't. There's a couple I mean, songs. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. There's a few yeah. songs I'll tolerate yeah. if they're. I won't exactly. Change the channel. Exactly. But okay, exactly. I'm not gonna like rock out to it. the Bee Gees though. Yeah, I'll crank the Bee Gees. Oh snap! Oh snap! Whitney Houston. Maybe the greatest voice yeah. of all. Period. Whitney. Yeah, Houston. Whitney was in her heyday. She was just incredible. So, 
I'm a Whitney fan up until she kind of got popular, to be honest with you. Well, until so, she Brown. So the, so the, <laughs> right. Um, I was kind of a Bobby Brown fan until they got together too, to be honest Ooh, with you. But anyway, um, so, so Whitney, here's what, here's what turned me away from Whitney is the bodyguard because yeah. the, the Dolly Parton song, I'll always love you blew completely up. And that was not a, it was not a love song the way it was portrayed not in the way Dolly Parton. No, it's not bodyguard and it's like people all freaked out and was like playing at weddings after that and all kind of crap and i'm like yeah, do you know the backstory to that song and to yeah. me all you gotta do is listen to the words to first me to me lyrically yeah. dolly does a better job with that song lyrically because of what the lyrics say and the way her voice is when she's singing it um pat benatar was mentioned i, I love pat benatar. I, I'm, I'm very like there's some Pat Benatar, mm -hmm. but like love is a battlefield is one of her most popular and I can't yeah. freaking stand it. I never have been able to tolerate it. I didn't like the song for a long time because I couldn't stand the video when I was a kid. Well, I don't even remember the video and I'm telling oh, you, yeah, it, it was, it's all I can do. I, I, can really, make I remember it. hating the videos. I hated if the song. It, back if it comes day. across the playlist or the radio or whatever, I, I, mm -hmm. are, I'm not skipping or changing her channels or anything like that. But I just don't, and that's one of her most populars, and it's crazy because I just can't, I can't do it. All right, Susanna Hoff's absolutely smoking hot. So the question is, Bengals or Go Go's? <laughs> I was more of a Go Go's. I was more of a Go Go's. Just me. I, I like the Go Go's because I I'm more the yes. Punk. I yeah. I'm not going to turn any of them down by yeah. any means, but I was more of a Go Go's guy because I like punk a lot growing up. So they were more punky than the Bengals were, but uh, neither one were bad. Debbie Harry and Blondie. Debbie so, Harry there for about a four or five okay. years. And oh, yeah. Okay. Blondie. So, so we're, we're talking hot chicks and we're going to bring it back to bands. Yeah. Um, but does anybody remember Vixen? No. Yes. Oh. You know, I'm talking. You've seen the videos back in the day. You know, what I'm talking. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, I don't know. I don't know if they've held up or not. But I don't know. Uh, they were for they were for hot chicks back in the day, and they were hair band quality. Okay, um, see, I wasn't a big stuff. hair band guy, so uh, uh, Vixen doesn't ring a bell to me. But I'll have to go look at. I might it's hear some. Stuff. Yeah, something. look up some Vixen. Yeah. yeah, they didn't stick around. Um, I don't know what the problem was. Stick around long. Stevie Nicks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. buddy. No, never. <laughs> Oh man, I'm sorry for you. She sounds uh, like a goat. It she only <laughs> has she only has to belt one syllable and you know it's Stevie Nicks. Yep. There yep. is that. She's definitely distinctive. I yeah. will give her that. Yeah. That is the compliment I will pay. That's the only compliment I'll pay. So I'll tell yep. you another Not a one fan. that at the time I wasn't alive when they were popular. Um, but at the time apparently now, I will say that the voice is amazing, but Grace Slick with Jefferson Airplane. Um, if you ever heard some old Jefferson Airplane, Grace Slick had yeah. a great voice. Yeah. Um, oh, man, Hart. How do we forget Hart? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no, we, yeah. we, we love there. Ann Wilson and all that. Yeah, great voice. Um, great guitar playing, too. Oh, my God. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, they did. You see the Stairway tribute they did for the Led Zeppelin thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh uh, my uh, yeah. goodness, that was pretty good. Yeah, there was. Um, 
What did C4 say? Billy Strings dust in a baggie. What? Who's I never heard of Billy Strings, so I didn't go check this out too, I guess. Dude, you need to listen to this. It's funnier than hell. All right, go ahead. No, you need to listen to that song that he oh, linked to. Oh, okay. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. Really? I never heard of Billy Strings, yeah. Um, oh, the dude's a good guitar player for sure. All right. We could go down these rabbit holes for the next seven hours. Oh, um, yeah. There is one person that I want to bring up the 80s that some people will swear by. Other people's couldn't stand. But I I was not a fan back in the day. I became a fan later on in life and really appreciated his work later on. Um, and that was Prince. Oh, God. I'm, yeah. Incredibly talented. I couldn't stand Prince when he first came out. I really yeah. could not stand Prince. So now, I, liked, I liked Purple Rain. I liked a couple songs, but I couldn't stand Prince. But now, looking back, and you're like, God bless. That dude was talented as hell. If you look at, look at instruments he played, oh, look man. at songs he wrote. Yep. Um, Prince has been, and I'm not going to say I was a Prince fan like right out of the gate first album when it, you know when he first you know was ever heard of or anything like that but before purple rain yeah um uh, i was like yeah and and my appreciation i'm i'm like you i mean i was a fan uh before then but my appreciation for prince has grown oh yeah leaps and bounds since then it's like holy crap i tell you I tell you something, if you want to hear just straight up guitar playing, when George Harrison died, they did a tribute and they did While My Guitar Gently Weeps with Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, uh -huh. um, Tom Petty, and George Harrison's son. Who do you think did the guitar? You think Clapton would, wouldn't you? They, they all let Prince go to town and Clapton will even tell you that that was the single greatest guitar solo he'd ever heard was Prince doing the guitar solo from while my guitar gently and it's on YouTube. It's amazing. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, I could not stand Prince in the eighties. I didn't really like Prince until probably the nineties when he basically quit singing and I started listening to music and I was like, it's kind of like what we talked about one time. I said, I can't stand Brad Pitt. And then you start listening to all the movies that Pitt, that Brad Pitt's in and say, man, I like that movie. I like that movie. I like that movie. He's really good at that. Damn it. I'm a Brad Pitt fan. You know, same thing with, with, with Prince for me was, I love that song. That's a really good song. That's a really good song. And that's a great song. Good Lord. I guess I like Prince. And that's kind of how it became with me is, Hendrix, I was not a. Uh, I like Hey Joe, a, a, a few greats, but see, most All along the most watchtower. Hendrix, that was a good one too. Yeah, but see, here's the thing, that to me, that's always a Dylan song. I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. Yeah, um, now, 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 now Dylan will tell you that when he heard Hendrix's version of All on the Watchtower, he changed how he did the song in concert. True story. Dylan does it the Hendrix way now in concert. He said that's how it was supposed to be played, but I was a hit. I, I like Jimmy's some of his songs, but like "Hey Joe" is the only one that I can consistently listen to and say, "Man, that's a great song, great song." Great song. Yeah, 
Jimmy is uh, meh to me. Yeah, he exactly. Do it. Yeah. Um, Great guitar player. Yeah, guitarist. Guitarist yeah. different than singer yeah. and musician. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, hit, yeah. No, 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 no. Now I want to say this. He influenced influenced many guitar playing. Right. Yeah. I don't think that Jimi Hendrix experience influenced very many people literally and all of that. But guitar playing, the, absolutely. Yeah, and a lot of sound in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was nothing for Hendrix to play with all kind of wires hanging out yeah. of his guitar, absolutely. just all kind of crazy stuff strapped to it and plugged in and soldered on. And yeah, yeah he was always tinkering with stuff. Yeah. Um, so Jimi Hendrix national anthem at Woodstock, um, for the time was incredibly inventive. Yeah. No one had ever heard anything like it. Overplayed. Now, now, it's, just, it's, it's overplayed. Now everyone tries to do that and it's like, eh. and you can like, only yeah. do so much like with, with vocals with it. Yeah. You can hit highs and lows and carry notes and you can do a lot of different things. But on yeah. guitar, I mean, it really, or any instrument for that matter, yeah. there's yeah. only so much you can do. Yep, yeah. no doubt, no doubt. Um, shit, we can go down this. Steve Ray Vaughn, great Texas boy. Oh God, great guitar yeah. player for sure. Uh, was it Texas Flood? So it not was the greatest the- singer again. No, like no. no, not at all. Now for blues. Yeah, yeah, great, great blues singer, yeah. great blues singer. But for his brother had a better voice. Yeah, let's be honest, yeah. had a better voice. Um, but yeah, no, there's some great ones out there. Um, just straight up guitar players. Um, Stevie Vai, Stevie Vai is a great one. People forget about Jeff Beck. It's a great one. ELO. Um, uh, Jimmy Page was a great guitar player. People just know Robert Plant as the lead singer. Jimmy Page was a, a great guitar player. Um, Malmsteen say- was a tremendous technical guitar player, but I don't think his music had a whole hell of a lot of soul to it. Well, we mentioned, um, you know, we talked about Van Halen earlier. I mean, obviously Eddie. When you talk about guitar. Yeah, uh, slash. Jeff Lynn, that's ELO with Jeff Lynn. I mean, ELO, but Jeff Lynn was a great guy. If you if you're listening to the Traveling Wilburys, yeah. Um, so you've got Jet, uh, you've got all these guys that just said, you know what, the hell with it. We're going to put our egos aside and let's do this. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. What were you saying? Oh, I was just going to nope. say, Jeff, uh, uh, Go ahead. I don't know if he was talking to me or what, but. Yeah, no Clover. Yeah, I think I uh, just really just jumped over Clover. Yeah, when you talk about when you talk about guitar players, um, mm-hmm. man, they're, they're so many. Joe Satriani, Joe Pe- Joe Perry, um, you yeah. know Van Halen. We talked about that. Obviously, Eddie was um, mm-hmm. his own style. I think uh, mm-hmm. with Eddie, but with that tapping the fret stuff, I mean, he just man, he was amazing at that. We're not um, talking seventies or eighties. If you guys were you guys Rage Against the Machine, big Tom yeah. Morello fan here. Tom Morello yeah. may not be a phenomenal guitar player, but what he does in his style of guitar is very unique and he's great at what he does. But I'm a big Tom Morello fan for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Well, um, you've got um dang it. Uh 
Billy Gibbons, Easy Top was mentioned earlier. I mean, absolutely. without a doubt, for that blues style and everything. Blues, um, absolutely. Well, here's another all, one. Um, you, know, you, you, you mentioned three bars you mentioned, of Easy Top. You know it's Easy Top song when yeah. it comes on. Well, three notes. <laughs> you mentioned Dire Straits earlier, and Mark Knopfler's yeah, not play. bad. Absolutely, Mark, Mark no Knopfler's doubt. pretty good, man. No uh, and I tell you what, I seen I seen Chet Atkins. Going over into the country oh, around yeah. a little bit. I seen Chet Atkins and now different mm-hmm. style, obviously, but I seen Chet Atkins and, and Mark Knopfler play one time together and it was amazing. And when you there talk are. about and when you talk about crossing over, uh, you get into like Roy Clark and I'm like in anything okay. with strings, man. You get bluegrass mm-hmm. and crazy stuff like that. And, I'll give man, you two Roy country Clark guys that people, I'll give you two country names that people don't realize how incredibly talented on the guitar. One, it's Brad Paisley is an incredible guitar player. He's I think I think people, people realize that, but yeah, yeah. Well, I, but people don't even know who Brad Paisley is unless you know. Unless you but, follow country, but if you right. follow country, yeah, there's no doubt. No, he's so, good. Yeah, and and, and um, uh, Vince. Uh, well, Keith Urban's great, but no, but Vince. Vince um, um, Gill. Vince Gill. Yeah. Phenom- Vince Gill was a lead guitar for a rock band back Vince in the Gill. late 80s. Um, he was in a rock band guitar, lead guitar player back early before so, he even got into country. Yeah, Vince Gill's playing reminds me of Glenn Campbell and like Roy Clark before him because yeah. Vince Gill yeah. literally can play anything, play anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we could go into the banjos or whatever. Say, so if you um, want to talk bluegrass, talk Doc Watson. Doc Watson's a good one. Merle Haggard, and not the one Blue Guys, but it was Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard was an underrated guitar player. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, but you're, you're talking bluegrass. I'll tell you musicians. Uh, just say musicians because it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, Charlie Daniels, obviously, with the fiddle. Allison Krauss. Oh, Allison yeah. Krauss can play pretty much anything you throw at her and, and play it very, very and, well. And as far as perfection in her voice it doesn't yes, get oh. more perfect of a voice no doubt. than no Alice Krauss. yeah no doubt no doubt good lord we could go on it's been three hours we spent the last hour and it seems like we could go on for six hours talking uh, easily music. you could talk we easily. talk music or movies or something yeah, yeah. um yeah, uh, you know, and, and Richard's right. Charlie Daniels was a good guitar player, but yep. he was an incredible fiddle player, uh, fiddler. You want to call yeah. it? But uh, yeah, holy cow! I didn't realize it was that time. I got to bounce. I got to get up in the morning. But to <laughs> plug your shit, this sounds so bad. Plug your shit. plug your channel. Plug whatever you want to. I was Mike. gonna say, dude. You know, that that, that, that first part that ain't happening. No, <laughs> no, not even on OnlyFans. Plug what you're doing real quick over at MK Outdoor Journal. I'm uh, Mike with MK Outdoor Journal. You can find me here on YouTube on MK Outdoor Journal. Uh, <laughs> Former The artist formerly known as Budget Guns and Gear Review. It used to be a symbol eventually. <laughs> yes, it'll just be a symbol. That's it. The MK thing. That's it. That, that's me. But uh, <laughs> you can find me every... Uh, Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern for the right of the people where we use the first to defend the second. Um, Talk about Second Amendment related politics, news, current events. Um, I got some videos coming out in the near future, um, but uh, nothing really. I mean, I've been spending my, my time this past week or so setting things up to start 
making holsters and whatnot because got to got to do something to pay the bills. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. So if you want to talk holsters, come talk to me at some point. Send me an email, Mike at mkoutdoorjournal.com, and uh, we'll talk. Thanks for uh, the invite, Ghost. You got it, buddy. Uh, Joe Bowman says, this has been great. Let's do it again. It has been great. We've had two separate complete shows. Right. Uh, actually, we had three shows. We had me and Clover talking mindset. Then you had Pinkus for an hour. Now we've done music for an hour. This is literally, I'm going to break it into three separate podcasts if I wanted to and be fine with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks to Lucy out there, Ricardo out there. Now, here's the thing, Lucy. I love you, man. But you're... You're sending ten dollars. At least say something. He don't. He don't ever hardly say. He does. He never does. But this is your chance to. I'll unless it's really bad. I'll read what you put on there because you've earned the right to do that. So if you ever want me to read something <laughs> hilarious, a super chat will get it done. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, thanks a lot for for Lucy out there. Yeah, he's in the house. Um, yeah, Pat says good show tonight. Music and self defense. I like it. That is a you know exactly. You really can't go wrong with music and self-defense. Um, Clove, what you got going on? And do you have anything? You don't. I know you don't do much, but what little that you do do, you can well, tell people what you go. As with. you know, I pretty much quit the two A at this point. You have. Yeah, you're you're no longer uh, a gun guy. You're uh, except you're for your show. Yeah, except for your show here tonight. I pretty much that's that's it now. Um, no, I mean I still do stuff. We'll have the nerd chat Thursday and. Mm -hmm. I love a YouTube shorts that drops uh, Friday. Monday is the launch air pop for the Patreon folks. And um, Sunday will be another video drop. What did I drop this last? I think it was the, the Mossberg. The Mossberg, yeah. International 802 Pink Plinkster that dropped Sunday. Mm -hmm. But no, I've been working on the uh, working on the B channel or, or the C channel or D channel. I don't even know. I've, I've lost track at this point as to... Uh, how many channels I've got, but um, I'll throw a link for that out there in uh, just a minute as soon as I get a chance to uh, to pull the link up. But uh, everybody can go check that out if they if they want to. If something they're into, then stick around. If it's not, you don't have to. That's uh, all I got. You guys got two seconds before you got to go. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting question. He says, "What's your theme song for self defense?" I'm going to say this. We're going to end on this question. I'm going to start with budget. You have to pick up your walk-up song, for like baseball walk-up song, a 10, 15-second clip that, that's your song. Like You say, I want this to be my walking to the ring as a boxer song, your walk-up for baseball. What's your walk-up song? You're muted. Oh, Damn. Never heard of that. I have to get, I'll get back to you on. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Who's saying? Who's saying? Who's saying? Who's saying? I'll get back to you on that. All right, Clover, what's your walk-up song? A whole lot of love. Talk about the intro the very first. Yeah. That, 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 that. I just love it. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. If you take like the song and the words out of it, I would say. Um, hmm. Now, if you're talking the entire Bulls, song, Bulls. if you're talking about the first maybe 10, 15 seconds of right. of the music, I would say "Bulls on Parade" by. Um, oh yeah. Um, well, I would say "Bulls on Parade." Yeah, yeah, "Bulls on Parade." I would say for sure the, the first ten or fifteen seconds of that, 
is phenomenal. Um, all right, Mike, you're on the spotlight. Walk up song. Broken, beaten, scarred by Metallica. Ooh, I couldn't think good. of the damn song's name. <laughs> I had to look that's it up. Broken, beaten, scarred. That's a good one. So I'm thinking. Hmm. I'm thinking sabotage. Ooh, that's a good, good one. Would it be another be another good track for that? Right, yeah. Beasties. Yeah, yeah, just the beginning yeah. music. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, just you want just something hard and heavy is what I'm thinking for that. But yeah, if you're talking about that's, lyrically, that's, that's why I'm thinking like Bulls and Prey, just the the, yeah. the guitar beginning of it. Yeah. 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 So if good lord, almost anything from Rage though, right? Just about anything from Rage. <laughs> I, would say, I would say you can probably find a good ten seconds of anything Guns and Roses also if you really it put probably. Anything so, lyrically, if you're talking about like a self-defense song, lyrically, yeah. right? Go look up Hank Williams Jr. I got rights. There you go. Now it's it's dark. It's not a patriotic song. That's don't go down that road thinking well, it's something you. like that when you listen to it. But as far as from a self-defense perspective, yeah, I like it. Pat says, let the bodies hit the floor. That's a good oh, one. That is, and that's hard and heavy, too. Let the bodies hit the floor. You know what? I gave up with that one. on my ringtone because at like 3 o'clock in the morning when you're in the middle of the woods or something, hog hunting, and all of a yeah. sudden your phone goes off and it's, let the bodies hit the floor. That, mm. that whisper <laughs> crap, it will it, scare the crap out of you. I guarantee it. I guarantee it, yeah. It is a uh, walk by Pantera. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good one. Uh, all right, we're going to get out of here because we're getting ready to go down another rabbit hole. But uh, I want to yeah, say thanks again for watching live. Mike, Clove, thanks for coming on. We <laughs> will um, we'll see you next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, we've got Drew with Mean Arms coming on live to talk about some really cool stuff. So uh -huh. we'll see you next week uh, with Drew from Mean Arms. So until next time, we'll see you soon. Semper Fidelis.